0: One ninety-seven, XM two hundred two, the virus. The Ron and Fed show starts right now.
1: Okay, let's get down to it, boppers.
2: To begin, we are North Americans And for those of you who still think we're from England We're not, no We've our on planes our on trains Till we think we might die Far from North America Where the buildings are old And you might have lots of mimes uh-huh, uh-huh. I hate the feeling when you're looking at me that way It'll make it okay. It makes it go away.
3: Fez show on the very first day of the new millennium. 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Let's go over and start our Ichibans today. Ichi-A-N-I-A. Now, by the way, Hicks, my, uh, my mic sounds okay to you. Yeah. Sounds crazy to me. Sounds like I'm doing the show underwater. Or if there's like like a sheep that I wrapped around my oh, head, taped it, and then went underwater and started trying to listen. I right, just awesome. did something into my headphones. What did you do?
4: I uh, I lifted the uh, headphone pod up.
3: Oh, right, you lifted it up. All right, nice.
4: That's right. All right. Great job, buddy. Thanks.
3: <laughs> uh, Pepper Hicks, doing just fantastic work. As is everyone. Everyone's just doing great work, and we're just having a great time today. I'm building up everyone's self-esteem. No. I need to build up everyone's self-esteem. Fuck that. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You're in the ball pit. We're just hanging around in the ball pit having fun. In the adult ball pit, which I don't think there's enough of. Uh, So we'll get your Ichiban started. And Dave wants to say what it means in English. Number one. Thank you, David. Number one. That is true. That is true. Um... Let's get over here to uh, Ryan in Minnesota. You're on a Fez. How are you,
0: pal? Yo, Ronnie. I have a secret Ichiban.
3: Oh, a secret?
0: Ichiban.
3: Secret. Yeah.
0: All right.
5: Minneapolis, the worst thing that could happen to it. It takes over the number one spot as being the gayest U.S. city in the United States. Beats out San Francisco.
3: Well, you know, yesterday Bobby Slayton was in here trying to tell us that uh, Atlanta was the gayest. Uh, so Minneapolis is the gayest now.
5: Yeah, beats Santa Fe, Las Vegas. I guess they took all the gay weddings, openly gay politicians.
3: And activities. Paul Westerberg and Prince.
5: Sure, so, Al Franken was leading the charge. Oh,
3: Al Franken's gay. Wow. It is kind of a, you know, here's what I always thought was gay. Twin cities, like my Bulls. Mm. It's basically like saying it's my Bulls city. All right, so so many of the cities are very, very gay now. And Minneapolis, uh, and now the Vikings are talking about leaving, too, you know.
5: Yeah, they're going to be gone. And, you know, my I think my ice fishing trip last week put it over the top.
3: All right, my friend, take care of yourself. Uh, gayest city uh, ever. Uh, every, uh, uh, you know, Ryan's always trying to give us the gay updates in Minneapolis. And why shouldn't he? 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Dave, Ontario, you're on the run of fez show.
0: Hey there, Canadian Ichiban for you. In a uh, political correctness gone mad, the Uh. Canadian Broadcast Standards Council has banned Dire Straits' money for nothing from being played on Canadian radio in the future because the word faggot is discriminatory to gays.
3: I don't want my MTV. So after all these years... After 28 years, it's offensive. Now, uh, could they just bleep the word, or just knowing that it's in there is still no, offensive?
0: They've actually gone as far as to say they will be allowed to play a censored version. Of course, they missed the total context of the song in the first place, but that's right. for you.
3: Well, context doesn't mean anything in today's world. It isn't supposed to be that this is some stupid nut dragger talking about rock and roll. We're supposed to believe that everybody feels the same way we do. You got um, it. I would come up with this, and I would recut this, but use maggot. Just put it that way, like that little maggot. Now I don't want to piss off flies.
6: Well, Um, the song also has the word "colored" in it, which isn't used anymore. (laughs) What's that? This song also has the word "colored" in it, as uh, when they say, "Got to move these colored TVs." Mm
3: Eight six six runs zero fez. Eight six six runs zero fez. I just want to say, this fez, great, buddy. (laughs) And it's great. No. No, we're all doing great, seriously. No. <laughs> um, Bill, Bill, you're on the Run and fish show. I'm very confused by that Ichiban. I was um, pretty damn sure Philadelphia was a gay city in the country. Because it's the city of brotherly love? Oh, and you came from there. Well, it is true oh. that, that it's really, by the way, it's cutting, Bill. It's a cutting, <laughs> cutting bit. Uh, that there is a gay scene in Philly. A very nice gay scene in Philly. Uh, I don't know what it is about gay people that don't want yards. They just want to get in an area where I guess it's the mowing. Well, they start farming a little bit, too. Come on. I don't know if there's ever been a gay farmer. Um, but they do like pavement. They like uh, streetlights. Bistros, too, I think. They do like a bistro. I think they even invented the name Bordega. Um. i was talking about this yesterday they are the number one uh cause and effect of urban renewal that when gay you can have the worst neighborhood gay people will move into it start clubs start a couple coffee shops and some kind of a fucking you know oh we sell sweaters whatever those stores are (laughs) that i see so then like the women will go and they're like oh this scene's great They drag their husbands and their boyfriends along. It's the greatest club, and you're like driving along going, we're going to get fucked up here. And then finally, you're like, hey, there's a couple of great things here. So like, the fucking hipsters will move in, and then finally, those kind of bridge and tunnel people, and then eventually you will get the Guido's, and then you'll find out, like, you know, this this neighborhood stopped being cool, because you find out that the gay guys have moved into another place. So I think if I was black... And I saw gay guys coming into my neighborhood, I'd be like, we're out of here within five fucking years. It's this over. place is going to get so white. Um, Nat, you're on the Ron of Fez show.
1: Yeah, there are no gay farmers, but there are Jolly Ranchers.
3: Uh, that's a good one. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, let's go over here to uh, John. John, you're on the Ron of Fez show.
0: Hey, Ronnie, I got a question now. My, I used to go to Philly and visit my buddy at University of the Arts, and there was
5: this, like, gang of gay guys that would jump rope. I don't know if you ever heard of them. And, you know, you would he was, it sounds like a funny idea, but if you made fun of them, they would beat the
3: shit out of you. Yeah, gay guys will fuck you up some. You know, it's really funny, like, people don't realize that. Uh, there's a lot of gay guys that will just fuck you up. And th- this is across the board, and I know fucking hillbillies never get this when they come into the big town. Under no circumstances start shit with a tranny because they will kick your fucking ass and they will shred your face with their nails. Because the thing about transvestites is they've had to put up with shit and they've been fucked with every day of their life. So after a while, it's like fucking with a guy who's like a professional boxer. They're just constantly fighting. (laughs) And the weird thing about those transvestites, they'll fight with each other.
4: Oh,
2: yeah.
3: I've seen... uh, fucking uh, transvestite fights that far blow away any fucking boxing match I've ever been to in my life. It's totally
4: insane. Or the meatpacking district.
3: Well, not anymore. See, the meatpacking district is now in the point where the gay people have all but left. Oh, wow. And we're in the following stages now (laughs) of it's just like a lot of Jersey housewives coming in going, I don't mind the prices. This is great. Uh. But, and, you know, uh, the gay people have moved, a lot of them moved into your neighborhood, Long Island mm-hmm. City.
4: Oh, there's gays and lesbians just wandering around constantly. No,
3: here's stop. the weird thing. Remember how shitty your neighborhood used to be? Yeah. In? And now suddenly people are going like this. We ought to go over Long Island City. Yet. And I'm like. It's a great what? gallery over there. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, why would I go there? The galleries, galleries.
4: It used to be Warehouse Town. It was <laughs> horrible over there. We weren't any stores.
3: I don't know how we make money in the United States of America because you can go uh, anywhere. Uh, I was up in New Hampshire not too long ago and it was, uh, I guess it's uh, Manchester where right? it used to be a, a factory town, people working yeah. and you go down there now and it's just like giant gallerias and <laughs> you're fuck? like, all right, this is great for shopping, but what happened to the factory that used to be here? Now, what does the person who live here do? And I asked people and they said, well, we make cappuccinos for each other. <laughs> I go, all right, I guess. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Tony, you're on Ron Fez.
5: Hey, buddies. Yeah. I've been honestly never since the mystery
3: Christmas gift that there's been a lot of gay accusations directed toward you, Ron. I know. I don't even want to bring it up, though. Let's just let it go. I mean, there's, there's certain times in life where you're out there, you're doing things, you're making things happen, and there's other times in life uh, where you just... Put the gloves over your face and you take as many shots as they can. Eating your thumbs over there, are you, big man? (laughs) Why don't you you take it easy? Why don't you sit down? I like standing. Why can't today be, you know, just a crisp day?
4: Every day is a Chris Day. Yeah, right? Be yeah. yourself. Oh
3: yeah. Need to do some breathing exercises, oh, no. relax. Mm mm. Hold on to anything over there?
4: No, I don't hold all on right. to shit. Good. All right. I want you to be okay. Oh, I'm okay, Ronnie B. Oh jeez,
3: I don't like the way he's saying Ronnie B. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Here's Lisa. Lisa, Lisa in the cult jam. You're on the run of fez show.
7: Good morning, buddy.
3: Good morning, buddy girl.
7: Dude, you are doing an awesome job today. Great
3: job. Oh, thanks. He really is. Let's hear from Chris Stanley, everybody. Oh,
7: hey. That, Chris, oh.
3: Chris Stanley. Oh,
4: there's
3: no need, though. Well, Fez is clapping for you. Thanks, Fez.
7: Okay, Mr. B, I have a farmer, a gay farmer Ichiban for you. All
3: right, it's a gay farmer.
7: <laughs> there are these two guys. They actually bought a farm up in upstate New York in Sharon Springs. And they're renovating it, and they're doing some farming, making cheese and stuff. They have a show on, I think it's... They're not
3: only sharing springs, they're sharing dildos, these still. They're oh. having a great time. Now, this is, uh, now, why are they so famous?
7: They have this show. they I don't know how they are became famous. I think they're only famous because they bought the farm. And there's a show on the Green Planet channel. They're called the Fabulous Beekman Boys.
3: Now, how could there even be a Green Planet channel? Where have we, you know, the other day my mailman said to me, I'm worried about my TV show. It's just really I'm not getting the kind of ratings I need. Um, And the guy who uh, takes the tickets at my movie theater, he's got a show. Everybody has a TV show. We're at the point now where everyone in New York uh, has somebody with a camera following them around. All right, there's the uh, the Binkman boys. What the fuck? And they're gay farmers?
4: Yeah, they're gay farmers.
3: Now, how can I find the Green Planet channel? Where was it? I guess that's up in the thousands somewhere.
4: Has to be, yeah. Along night, like uh, your Fit TVs, which I discovered last night. What uh, is it? Fit TV. It mm-hmm. had, like, addiction shows on it. I don't
3: know. Yeah, I can't keep up with TV anymore. There's just far and away too many uh, channels. There's too much. Uh, Jason... In uh, Detroit, Rock City. What's happening?
5: Hey, Ron, it's this. Hey, Ron, um, Serious on 80s on 8 already edits uh, the Money for Nothing song. They already take that word out. When I classic rewind, you get the original song. So, so a classic
3: rewind are a bunch of fucking sexists. Where <laughs> 80s on 8... Now, here's the problem with 80s on 8. It plays constantly in the men's room yeah. here. So I'm getting like Pavlov's dog... I'm getting to a point, if I hear an 80s song, i got to take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> and you careful. will eventually just start and piss your pants if you'll hear Duran Duran. Oh, no. And don't we have all the old MTV VJs? Most of them, on yeah. On that?
6: We have the living ones.
3: We have the living ones. Doing the living years. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, let's go over here to uh, Nate. Nate, you're on Fez.
5: Hey, Ronnie B. Uh, got a lot of gay Ichiban, so I'm trying to break the circle, so to speak. Okay. Uh, Count Black's going to come up there and face fuck Fez
7: with a 20-inch black mamba. Hey!
3: I didn't understand the moan at the end. And then the quick, I'm going to hang up and leave. Uh, I always love the fact that, like, I got my little fucking joke in and now I'm out of here.
4: Peace. Yeah, I'm peace.
3: Out. Fuck you, I can't follow that. <laughs> All right, enjoy the smoke. Enjoy the lingering smoke.
6: The the prep going into that must be intense, where it's like, all right, remember the moan, and then hang up as fast as you can. Make sure you hit the off button quickly.
3: So no one's improving anymore, not even the callers. Everybody is prepared. What a sad world we live in.
4: Yeah, that guy. That guy was very prepared to get his Black Mamba line.
3: I never get it. This is... Come in and talk. Fez, what's your preparation? I know you like to prepare for the show today. Do you got a little itchy bun?
6: Yeah, it was the memorial service in Tucson, Arizona last night for the victims of last Saturday's shooting and uh, for the uh, and for the people that and for Gabrielle Giffords, the congresswoman. Is this setup going to end
3: and we're going to jump into it, or where are we?
6: Well, I was just really taken aback by all the inappropriate cheering going on as that memorial service started.
3: I did not watch the memorial service last night, but I read uh, that people said two things. They said they thought the president had a great speech. I thought so. And then the people said the same thing for you, that there are some people that don't know how to act at a memorial service. But this happened how long ago, the, the actual
6: murders? It was what, Saturday? It, it was this past Saturday, so not even a week. So you have to look into
3: the full thing of that area. Are those people, have they already mourned hard? Have they already cried their tears? You know, it's not the night of where you have the candle thing. There's some of these things where people want to cry for a while and other things where they're like, all right, we got Tucson on TV. The president's here. Let's try to start and get back up again. My point is this. I'm a little hesitant to blame people for how they would act at a memorial service, especially in these days where mourning is no longer a formal thing, where you can uh, go to any funeral and people are dressed the same way as if they went to... um, to the movies that day.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I funerals are just very informal at this point.
3: Well, they're fun rules. They're trying to... Everything has to be fun. <laughs> and you want to put the fun back in funerals. What well, you said Look at this great montage of this dead person. Hey, they had a great... Yeah, that's the other thing. is like, <laughs> now, if you go to a funeral, you're going to get some kind of audio video show yeah. where here were some of his favorite <laughs> rock hits, and we've edited some of the party pictures together, and you're just like, Okay, I get it. So, Funeral's kind of like graduation. It's graduation from Earth.
4: And there's a and there's a song, their favorite song is going to be played or whatever.
3: Yeah, there's always that thing. And, like, you know, they're playing. And sometimes it's supposed to tug at you, but more often now, it's supposed to be ironic. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, where you get there, and, like, uh, they're playing Hungry Like the Wolf. And you're uh-huh. like... All right. Johnny okay. would have loved this. Yeah, it's always what they would have loved. Oh, he never wanted anyone to cry. He wanted everyone to party. Yeah. Go bar later, coming. So now you get people who stand up at the funeral and they start into a roast, oh. you know, where you just have them start to talk about, you know, the fact that the guy farted a lot. And no everyone's supposed to laugh. Uh, whatever people need. I'm not going to tell them how to live their life.
6: There's also giveaways now at funerals. I,
3: this is even new to me. This one, <laughs> you've moved on. What are they giving out? Tiamo cigars and fucking peanut juice?
6: No, it's, I, at my grandmother's funeral. People, you, you talked about the video that gets produced. People walked away with uh, DVD copies of that and packets of seeds with my grandmother's picture on them and a little Bible verse.
3: So you're, you're supposed to grow something that reminds you of her?
6: Yeah, you're supposed uh, to go grow kinda,
3: flowers. I I kind of like that one, Fez. That's a good one. Because that way you're like, well, there's grandma's flowers. She would <laughs> love that. Um, this is the the weird thing. Um, the Virgin Records guy, Richard Branson, he's just turned 60 years old, and he wanted people to give him plants and trees that he could put back into the earth. And all right,
4: Well, isn't he better than all of us? He Jesus is. He's Christ. better.
3: Because I did the same thing and I asked for another iPod. I go, just, I don't know, an iPod would be great. You know, touch. Yeah, I want to be able to touch. Nice. Um, Bill, you're on run of Fez. Hey, I got to
5: agree with Fez on that memorial last night when when he was calling off the names, when he got to that little nine year old girl, everybody was like a a pep rally. They all went, yeah, and cheered like it was a great thing, you know. And
3: Well, she was the best one. She's the best of the dead.
6: Um, Well, it wasn't even so much that. Uh, that cheering, but whenever the University of Arizona's name would be mentioned, they would scream like it was a WWE audience going yeah, off like on the cheap out. hops.
3: Now, the weird thing there is, why is the WWE audience screaming for the University of Arizona? Is that a new tag team I don't know about? Sounds like it. Um, here is uh, here's John. John, you're on my first.
5: Hey, Ronnie, aren't yeah. you the person that got in trouble for eating a butterfinger at your uncle's funeral?
3: Yeah, this is when I was little. Uh, there was this whole thing, I guess, they didn't think that you could uh, mourn and snack at the same time. So what I was, I guess I was cutting edge, because that was still where you had to dress like reservoir dogs. If you went to a funeral, <laughs> all the men's would have to put on their reservoir dogs uh, outfit. But now a funeral is... A much happier thing, you get one of those moon bounces. I don't know where to go with that, Fez. I don't know whether we should judge those people as you're not behaving at a funeral enough or let people deal with things the way they need to deal with them. I don't know what the right move is. I mean, you can't suddenly have an informal world where then you go, don't you understand the rules of society when actually we have none. We don't have any formality to uh, weddings, uh, funerals, baptisms. It doesn't matter what it is anymore. We've kind of... uh, And the weird thing is, you couldn't get more informal than church. That used to be the place that said, this is a religious thing, it's a serious thing, whether it's a wedding. Uh, now, constantly, we have to feel like church is a place to jump around and have fun and high-five each <laughs> other and and call uh, Jesus Christ JC. And, you know, buddy. I want to tell you about another extreme guy. He was the son of God. And he got in some people's faces. You're like, all right. Fine. Uh, Talk down to everybody. Uh, But there's not a lot. I mean, I totally get what you're saying, Fez. And even though I didn't watch it, I've read uh, a lot of people were affected the same way as you. But at the same time, I remember when they had Reagan's funeral in Washington and people were showing up wearing flag gear and having fun and... I was like, you know, it is a dead president and you are the people that supposedly this is your favorite president and yet you don't understand the fact that it's a funeral. There's not a They
6: were th- screaming at his widow.
3: There's not a lot that you could um you could do about this uh whole thing. You know? I mean what are you gonna do? Stop would Obama stop it and go what the fuck is wrong with you people? Great. Maybe this is uh this is just what people need at this point, you know? Uh, it's almost like when you start to do that you start to act like your grandmother. Remember how your, your grandmother would be mad at everything? Like, I can't believe the way these kids are <laughs> Whatever, grandma, it's different. Uh, Jay, you're on the Run and Fez show.
5: Hey buddies. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm here in Tucson and I was watching that funeral and I was really getting disgusted about the uh the cheering after everybody's names and everything. But then I started thinking about it, and I was talking about it with my wife, and and we realized they were having the damn thing at McHale Center, where the Wildcats play at. You know, it wasn't in a church or anything, so they just didn't know what
8: the hell to do.
3: Why wouldn't you take it into your head, though? Why do adults have to be told how to act? Why don't people understand that mourning is part of any process, that you can't be up about that? You can't be, you know, it's not a fucking game show.
4: Well, feeling sad is bad now. You shouldn't feel sad. It's fucking, it's fucked up. Hey, I know that, big man. <laughs> Every day is a good day. Every day is a
3: good day. Yeah. Fez, feeling good? Feeling good. All right. Um, Here's our buddy, Cigars and Scotch. here in on a Fez. Uh,
5: Fez is 100% right about the WWE audience mentality. I, I, I cringe watching that. Every time Obama paused for effect, you would just hear, what? I mean, it's Steve Austin hasn't wrestled in 10 years, and people are still doing this, and at a funeral.
3: All right. Uh, Cigars and Scotch, making fun of you a little bit, Fez. But I get what you're uh, coming from. Uh, You know, I get the whole thing. Frank, you're on the run of Fez show.
8: Yeah,
5: Ron,
7: in Europe, doing a funeral procession. When the coffin goes by, spectators will clap.
3: Yeah, that will happen. It's a very weird thing. And, again, if you go back and... um, And look at the differences. Look at the Reagan funeral and look at the JFK funeral. Look at the Reagan funeral. Look at the Bobby Kennedy funeral. I mean, we're not, we're only talking about 20, 25 years, but you could just see this full tilt. And again, uh, it just, we want to relax society for whatever reason. You want to feel like I can go to the best restaurant in town, wear jeans and the sneakers. I get that. At the same time, Fezzy, there's not a lot you can do if you decide I want other people to be more formal. I guess the only way to do it would be to, you know, do it yourself. But I also feel like you're fighting the tides there. You know, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do about it. Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show.
5: Um, How many of those people that were actually there do you really think were there to mourn? I would really think it was just a spectacle, kind of an event people got tickets to
3: and they're like, they they didn't give a shit. Uh everyone is like that now and like uh I'll give you this example. Here in in New York after 9/11, people came from all over and started to view it like a like you would anything else like you were, you know, at a, a sightseeing place. Yeah. It still pulls a lot of people in, you know, you buy t-shirts and stuff, but I'm talking you know, uh, a few weeks after nine eleven, the place was packing out, and it seemed to be odd to New Yorkers, uh, but the mayor at the time, Rudy Giuliani, said, N- look, this is a good thing. It's bringing money into New York, and God forbid anything should stand in the way of money and people's abilities to have a, a good time on their fucking vacation. So it, it kind of is. People still come there to this day. Um but they don't have that thing of, I'm at a, uh, you know, I'm here to mourn. They're just there to be where, uh, you know, where the action is. Patrick, you're on my fez.
8: Hey,
5: buddies. Yeah. Um, well, question for Fez. I want to know if Fez thinks that uh TV shows should have been preempted for this uh, memorial service.
6: Well, I think they were.
5: They I, were, but, I mean, it's not like the... Where they were, union.
6: Wait, let him, what was your point, sir?
5: Well, it's not like it's the State of the Union where it's, you know... Here's the thing, Patrick.
3: I'm hearing this constantly about, oh, they preempted TV shows. You've got a million fucking channels. The big networks, which are still the public airwaves, they tend to say, uh, you know, we're going to throw it over to the president or whatever. And there's always a certain percentage that acts like, well, now I'm stuck with 614 channels. And not six hundred nineteen. Life blows. You could fucking get by one single night without seeing the Mentalist. <laughs> not that I'm putting down the Mentalist, okay. because he does something no one's ever done in history before. He's solving crimes using his brain, oh. his mental powers. Eight uh, six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Mike in Delaware, you're on Ron Fez.
5: Yes. Uh, hi, boys. Good. Um, I believe this uh, event last night was more of a memorial service to celebrate these folks. The actual funeral when they take the body to the grave is a whole different event.
3: Well, uh, you know, you get into this, if you really want to get into it, what is there to celebrate the fact that people were shot down and murdered? If their family would like to do something long after the funeral... This would be a place to act like this. But for the people of that town who act like they want to start clapping and high-fiving when there's dead family members, I'm not saying it's, it's not acceptable because whatever any society accepts is acceptable. I think what Fez's point here is the world has kind of turned on turned in a way that you're no longer comfortable with.
6: Yeah, and I find it completely unacceptable for the president of the United States who's addressing those families of people of uh, the people that were lost and he's trying to talk about grief and people are screaming interrupting love you obama.
3: Right, but you're but if that was just for the family, he doesn't need to do it public. Once he does it public, it's a public event. And what you are seeing is a reflection of society. And I don't think it has to do with Tucson. I think if it would have happened in Pittsburgh or uh, Tallahassee, I'm going to go through every city. I think if it would have happened (laughs) in Charlotte. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's a reflection of that town or the people there. I just think it's a reflection of the fact that people are not comfortable with mourning or any kind of sadness uh, at all. That they have to constantly start and play into this, um, you know, when they tell you that stupid shit like, you know, well, uh, God must have wanted a CPA. You know, just the (laughs) the most awkward things that he, you know, because you can't say, hey, these people are dead and one day will be dead. And isn't there a lot of pain to life? God forbid you're allowed to do that at all. You can't. You have to uh, to throw that out. Where you know, I grew up in an Irish family. People would mourn, and then when you got home from the funeral, uh, you would start drinking. There'd be a short time of uh, dancing, then something would break, and the fight would begin, and then everybody could relax with their bruises. But now people want to constantly feel like they're at the mall. Um, here is uh, Bill. Bill, you're on Hey,
8: Ron. Hey, we were watching
5: the uh, the football games this week, and they're playing the national anthem. My kids asked, you know, why everyone was cheering at it. I didn't have an answer for them. Twenty, thirty years ago, that you, you had listened to the song, you thought about the country, the servicemen protecting our freedoms, and now, about halfway through the song, you start applauding, and hell, by the end of it, you can't hear them singing.
3: Uh, Well, you also get that, oh, and all that fucking shit, and it's just, again, God forbid that anybody would want to sit and think about the lyrics to that. And, you know, we do this thing when you talk about the cheap pops, where people, you want to get a cheap pop, just say troops, because now everybody's like, I heard the word troops, so we start clapping, but they don't really support them, they're not involved uh, they weren't involved in Iraq. They're not involved in Afghanistan. They just want to do that. Yay, fighting <coughs> troops. Yeah, and, you know, and there's no, there's, there's nothing beyond that happy time. We just have to have this happiness. Um, Chris, you're on Memphis. Chris.
5: Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Ron, you brought up a point earlier about comparing like the Reagan funeral versus the Kennys' funeral, and it is true that the culture is different. But I think it's easier for people to, I guess, make it more of a, a memorial, like a joyous event, when you're celebrating a life that was into the '90s versus two guys that were
8: murdered in their 40s. Well,
3: but and here why- we are. Look at the difference here. Fez is bringing up this, got killed when she was nine years old. Nine fucking years old. So you can't play that, hey, it's a celebration of all life. If anything, I would say it's closer to be I'm deflecting away from any kind of painful feelings <laughs> and getting into that, yeah, mm. I feel as good as Stevie Baldwin. You know what I mean? you. Cool. Everyone has to have that, I'm just, you know, hey, there's a great plan for all this. We're all going to, yeah, okay. Um 866-RUN-0-FEZ, 866-RUN-0-FEZ. Um, Travis, you're on the Run of Fez show.
5: Hey, buddy. I'm back on formality, like, you know, funerals, you know, you see people don't dress as, as, as formally as they used to, which is wrong. But in general, I think society's become less formal. You know, if you look back to the 50s, people used to throw on a suit and tie to go to the grocery store, you know?
3: Well, um, it, it's really, really interesting to see – The sports pictures go back and look at uh, the way people would dress uh, when they're watching Babe Ruth. I mean, uh, we don't own clothes as formal as what these people were wearing to a ball game. Uh, Even if you look back at the, you know, the 1950s, early 60s, where now uh, go to any game at all and everyone is dressed The way a guy would have brought his four year old son to the game where I'm going to dress you up like you're one of the players and you go there, and you know, there's uh, the the new um, Vince Vaughn movie is out and you just see he's at a Blackhawks game and there's 20,000 people wearing Blackhawks jerseys. Uh, The bowl games is perfect. If you're at any place, you pull back and just see, you know, the amount of red or blue. Mm. Everyone is dressed the same, but all like the way you would have dressed a little kid on the way to a game. A grown man in the 1920s, it never would have occurred to him to dress up like Babe Ruth. No no. one would have dressed like fucking Willie Mays. But now, uh, in this world of LARPers... Uh, you've got to act like you're you're all part of it. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over to Dave, California Airman Fez. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie B.?
5: Hey, um, I heard a news report. I guess Obama visited the congresswoman in the hospital. He walked in, and then they said that she opened up her eyes when he walked in, and
0: they called it a miracle.
3: Uh, yeah, I read some of that this okay. morning too. Um, and but there's always been that weird feeling that we want uh, a miracle to happen. I, again, you could sit and you know uh, kick back the way Fez is doing a little bit, or you just say to yourself, "This is what these people need." You know, this is what these people think is acceptable. Uh, I don't think it's any reflection of that one town. I think it's across the board that we need to do this kind of stuff and magic thinking is gigantic in uh today's world god forbid there's a complex problem for people to pocket. they will they will shut down that's why we need the left and right we can't have any shades of something black or something white what we really need to do is you know it's going to it's very fucking, uh, simple in today's world. Um, Tim, you're on the run of face show.
8: Hey,
5: Ron, how you doing? Good. I just wanted to, uh, we're probably just bad down here in San Antonio. I have a little brother, hillbilly type, I guess. We had a big funeral and he surprised the hell out of everybody. He pulled, uh, the morning newspaper out and started reading it during the eulogy. Uh, he was hiding himself behind my, uh, uh, big brother. And I thought, good God, we've reached an all-time low. So it happens in Arizona; it happens down here too.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, the, uh, inform, uh, We're an informal society. Uh, Max, you're on a fess.
5: Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, question for you: If 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 some of us choose to be a little more formal and kind of keep to ourselves and. Uh and, and, and don't do this stuff that you're talking about, like the people at the Reagan funeral wearing stupid American suits and stuff, and uh, people at church talking about how much of an ex-gamer Jesus Christ was. Uh, am I allowed to look down <laughs> on those people and think that they're total white trash? Uh, I, I do that, and I really enjoy it, so I'm hoping you're not t- telling me I can't do that.
3: You know, again, I guess everybody can do whatever they need to do. The frustrating thing, I think, is if, you fall into what I think Fez tinged on a little bit of, I don't want these young people, you know, because I swear to God, I mean, that's just part of the thing. I hear music, and I'm like, that ain't the fucking Stones motherfucker. But you think, hey, if I introduce the Stones to somebody who's 19, they're going to go fucking crazy and go, oh, our music is shit, and we're using fucking autotone and (laughs) a fucking drum track. No, they don't give a shit. They don't care. In the same way that people pretend that American Idol is fucking important or dancing with the stars or whatever the fuck it is, they, they don't want substance anywhere in their lives. There is no substance for us. And it isn't because we're lacking or wanting it. It's just, I don't want to deal. I, I you know, people are like, I like a very shallow, easy life. I think it's a choice to make. And I I do also think it is uh, America now. And I don't think that we have the kind of society anymore that could go, hey, we want to put a man on the moon in 10 years. Everyone brings up, hey, this country was able to do this. That was kind of pre-ADD where people went, I would like to look at something that pays off enriches uh years from now. No. We need everything the following quarter. If some if somebody takes over a business and you're a stock owner, you need the dividends to start paying off immediately. You don't want to hear that there's some kind of growth going on. No, it's gotta happen now. It's gotta be right this second. And one of the things that, you know, we're going back and forth fighting on the evening news, everybody on the opinion shows will tell you it's a simple solution. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, we could turn this around. You know, so they yell that at people. When the fact is, I can't imagine, you know, go back and ask uh, Bush how easy it was to turn this country in one direction or another, or Clinton. Any of the people who've actually done it after they're out of it, they're like, oh, it's fucking impossible <laughs> to move this country anywhere. 866 run zero fez. 866 run zero fez. Uh, J.C., you're on my face. Is that me? Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, buddy. Um,
5: I just don't understand why we need these big memorials and, you know, why everyone thinks they need to mourn for someone they've never met. Well,
3: um, we're human beings, J.C., okay? So it just doesn't have to be your personal experience. You don't have to just see the world through your eyes and have no other vantage point from the world except for what you can see, taste, and feel. That, just in the same way that if you could read a story about fictional characters, your emotions will start to change because you understand the human experience. So, J.C., at some point, and I know it's happened to you, but your parents or probably grandparents were very much human, and they were able to understand what the human Tragedy oh. was about. It's not just good fucking times. And the the fact of the matter is, if you don't accept that there is true pain and true sorrow in the world, you will never accept that there can be also joy and compassion. And I know it's, you know... I, I We talk about this all the time. The second a celebrity dies or something now, right away the message boards, or I guess now that's um, – I'm dating myself by saying message boards. The Twitter will immediately, oh, what jokes can I do and yeah, yeah. you know, what's the sickest joke I can come to? And in a way, that's still just a coping me- mechanism. It's just a deflection to say, oh, death happens to other people and not me. Death is something that happens to stupid people. Death is something that happens to weird But You don't want to actually embrace the fact that when you see these deaths and you hear about these deaths, a part of you knows that this is fucking coming your way. So right away, it's what can I do to do deflect this and to... Uh, push it away. Uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. We're uh, uh, going to take a break here. Uh, Back in just a couple of moments. uh, Run a Fez Show.
0: The Run and Fez Show. The Virus on Sirius XM.
9: I'm not very good at uh Here's a try.
2: If
9: you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. Space is filled with a network of worms. Somewhere else in space. Some wind else can come. The sky calls to us. We do not destroy ourselves. Like a boat of dust in the morning sky. I, 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 the brain does what more than dust. recollect. It intercompares, it synthesizes, it analyzes, it generates abstractions. The simplest thought, like the concept of the number one, has an elaborate logical underpinning. The brain has its own language, for testing the structure and consistency of the world. Less than more glorious, gone away, not a sunrise, but a galaxy. Of The sky calls to us. If we do not destroy ourselves, we will one day venture to the stars. The ravage of the universe today is full of strange, sounding ideas. How lucky we are to live in this time. The first moment in human history when we are, in fact, visiting other worlds. A still more glorious dawn awaits not a sunrise, but a galaxy rise. A morning filled with 400 billion suns. The rising of the Milky Way. A still more glorious dawn a morning filled with 400 million suns, with rising of the Movie Way. The surface of the Earth is the shore of the cosmic ocean.
2: Dabbing motion. Alright, count to three.
3: 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, uh, coming up in just a little bit, we're going to have uh, one of the all-time great character actors uh, in here, and you know what a character actor is, right, uh, Hicks? Yeah. That's a uh, an actor that wouldn't necessarily get laid, you know what I mean, like even being in the movie... Doesn't totally help you. But uh, my favorite thing, uh, I think, in life is really good character actors, way more than movie stars. And this guy has done, well, you pulled his IMDb page, and it was something like 12 pages or something crazy. Yeah, 12 pages of just uh, Hundreds and hundreds of, uh, he either does small roles or small movies. It doesn't matter either way. He could have a big role in a small movie or a small role in a big movie. And, of course, uh, even if you don't know his name, you'd recognize his face. Clint Howard. Uh, Not only has he done tons of movie works, I think he's been in every one of Ron Howard's films, his brother. And I think we're up to something like 17, 18 films that uh, Ron Howard has directed. But it's an interesting – I will tell you this about the movie. I expected it to be a little more lighthearted than it is. It's a comedy A lot of slapsticky, comedy, buddy stuff there. But at the same time, there is uh, this deal that Vince Vaughn is dealing with, this dilemma, which I think if you asked everybody, they would have a different opinion on this. The movie goes in one way, not one that I completely agree with, but the dilemma is this. You're friends with another couple. Okay. Uh, You find out she's cheating. Do you go to your buddy? Uh, I'm going to put this out here, and I know there's a bros before hoes. I know that exists, but that's not one of the commandments. I'm going to also let you know that, Hicks. (laughs) Okay. So uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. But I'm always curious about this. Now, you're friends with both of them. Yeah, you're friends. This is a couple uh, uh, right from the beginning. He's done both. Now, he, is he closer friends with the guy? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's in business with the guy. Okay. But, and most of the time when you're an adult, you're friends with a couple. It's like you and your chick will be friends with another couple. Yeah. And that's how adults generally re- <laughs> React, if you're not with the same crowd that you grew up with
1: yeah, yeah, your yeah. whole life.
3: So for you, Hicks, what what direction would you go in?
4: Uh, I'm not going to say. You're not going to say? I'm not going to say. Let him fucking, let him find out on his own. If he if he's totally in the dark, maybe, if, and if he's happy, fuck it. Then that's the way it's going. And if, they, if, she's, she, and she, if she's cheating on him, sucks, but I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, right. stay away from that fucking mess.
3: No, why do you stay away from it?
4: I don't want to get involved in their lives like that. It'll ruin, it'll ruin multiple fucking lives, right? It would ruin multiple lives. Yeah. No, I'm not. It's so not you, my responsibility. So, but your point is this. The
3: truth ruins lives, and a lie makes life easier. <laughs> that's the, you know what I mean? Like, that's that kind of thing there. Uh, Fez Watley, uh, I know I've talked to you about this before. Mm-hmm. Have you changed your mind, and are you sticking with the same thing?
6: I'm gonna stick with the same thing. I would not tell the guy mm-hmm. yeah I, in fact, I have told a guy before mm-hmm. when I saw his girlfriend out with somebody else, and the reaction was horrible, and it was i and he wasn't pissed at her, he was pissed at me.
3: The way you tell things is kind of stupid, though, so that might have something to do with it. But just because it happened, let's say this. You knew anything about me, right, that I didn't know. You'd leave me in the dark?
6: Oh, no, i come to you right away.
3: So how is that staying with what you just said? If you have this rule I would not do that, and as soon as I bring up what it is, you would say, yeah. Um, Let's uh, go over here to... Uh Bueno, California, you're on the Run the Fed Show. What's up boys? Yeah.
5: Hey, uh I was just talking to the screener and I remember watching Jersey Shore last season and that whole situation with uh Ronnie and Sammy and he's doing her dirty behind her back and these two bitches are gonna write a letter and, and not tell her to her face while he's doing her dirty week after week. So I'm like, you know what? Me and wife are getting upset, they gotta step up, they gotta tell her but then you gave that that reasoning of it's your friend, and I'm like, holy shit, he just blew my mind. If I'm saying anything to my... Irrefutable proof. I'm talking about video, and dude, I don't want to do
8: this, but here.
5: And then it's, it's up to him.
3: But, it's but very I'm, interesting. What I'm hearing right now is the reason that you three guys I uh, wouldn't bring it up is only to protect yourself. It was about self-protection. What is everyone going to say to me? It's not about your friend at all. So far, nobody has thought what would the friend need. Um, Gad, you're on the run of fizz show.
5: Close up, guys. It's, uh, I, I, it's a double-edged sword. I've done both ways. The, the guy always ends up going back for the girl and you look like an asshole, and uh, you, you can't win in that situation.
3: All right. Again, I will I will also admit this, and this is why I think it's a great premise for a movie, is because it's never 100%. <laughs> the fact of the guy always goes back to, to the girl is not necessarily true. No. But in the case of this, if Fez knew something, and I didn't, and he didn't alert me to it. Yeah. I think I'd be pretty pissed at Fez to that, too. Where I go, wait a minute. You let me look at, like, a fucking idiot for two years? I thought that we were fucking friends. I mean, you're not scot-free out of your responsibilities just because you didn't open up your fucking pie holes.
4: Delaying the inevitable.
3: Right. Mark, <laughs> you're on the run and Fez show. Yeah, I want to
5: say you just let it play out. Let the divine play play out. And then... Um you know, the universe will either expose this person or not. But then once once you personalize it beyond a certain threshold, like, say, you make it your brother or something like that, then that all fucking
3: collapses, kind of. Yeah, It's very strange that, and you came up with a good point. People might say, no, I don't bring it up. I don't get involved in people's business. But if it's your brother or let's take it this way, it's your sister, you know. Now, on the other hand, I'm going to fucking, I'll play the part that you guys should be playing with me. No. you. some people are happier in their ignorance. There are plenty of times, like, if you see a, let's say it's a woman with a guy, and he starts fucking drinking, he's getting fucked up, he becomes the ass of the party, he's putting shit on his head, she might act like... Oh, he's having fun, you know? Mm -hmm. She might just start lying to herself because she don't want to fucking face the truth. So she's like... And there are times, like, where uh, a guy is real drunk and he'll stick his fucking thumb in a cat's ass. And finally, the host will throw him out. And the wife will be mad at the fucking guy. Like, why is she always mean to him? You know, he was just having fun. And you'll be looking at her while she's defending her man, going... You are lying your ass off to, because you don't want to face the truth. And there's a lot of people, even though they don't say it to each other, um, they fucking know what the truth is. They just can't handle it out loud. Mike, you're on the running face show. Yo. Yeah.
5: Hey, what's up, Ryan? Yeah, uh, just talking about the... You know, people not telling. I've been on the, the other end of it where, you know, my chick was banging people left and right, and a bunch of, this was back in college, a bunch of my friends knew about it, never said anything to me. I'm showing up to places with this chick, parties and shit like that, and everybody knows that uh, she's fucked about 100 people in that fucking house, except for me. I ended up finding out later, and then I was mad as hell at these dudes for never saying anything to me. I think you should fucking say something.
3: It is really fucking interesting that, Let's put it this way, Hicks. If yeah. your chick was playing you that way, right? Yeah. And everyone knew it, oh, yeah. including the guys that you work with.
4: <laughs> Jesus, you wouldn't want us to tell you? No, I wouldn't want you guys to tell me. I'd want to fucking, You want to live in a lie? I'd want to live in the fucking ignorance. Cause, all right, an old girlfriend. I found out a year or two later that she was cheating on me. I didn't feel that bad about it.
3: No. But this chick, I think you would feel
4: bad, right? Yeah, I'd crush my shitty soul.
3: Um, and then we don't want to do that. We want to keep your soul just as happy as can be. It
4: can be sad. It's okay.
3: Uh, let's go over here to John. Virginia, you're on the fez. I, I don't get it, Ron. I, I would
5: tell any of my friends 100% of the time. And I would want them to tell me. And if they got mad at me, then they're not guys. I wouldn't want to hang out with them anyway. You know what I mean?
3: All right, so your point was... That even the way that Fez and Hicks went with it, they're not real friends anyway. They're not real friends. Oh come on. Uh show showing the run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I actually, I wouldn't tell my friend, but I would actually talk to his chick and tell her that I know what's going on and that um I'm kind of
7: contemplating on telling him or not. But I think that she should be the one to tell him first, and they should talk it out and see where it goes from there. With them.
3: Now the interesting thing about that is, and that that is definitely a strategy, but now you've really inserted yourself oh, yeah. into this thing. I mean, you you are now a third party because yeah, now there. you know. Imagine if I went to Hicks's chick and started telling her the things I think she should be doing. Oh, That's really crossing a fucking a threshold.
4: Oh yeah. Um
3: yeah, yeah. but the other point too is even if it's your fucking friends, right? No matter who it is. How well do you really know who they are when they go home at night? That's another fucking part of this.
4: Oh yeah. It's uh it's fucking it's, it's impossible to fucking tell. Mm. Cuz most people put up a fucking front.
3: Um Here's uh Luke, Luke, you're on the running fed show.
4: Yeah, my
5: wife was uh was cheating on me and, and uh for like a year and a half and I had a friend who knew about it, um and she didn't tell me that my wife was cheating on me and you know, I had I had several indications that there was something going on. And I specifically asked her, um, is there anything going on that I should know about? And she went you know, she just flat out told me like light in my face, No, no, you know, there's nothing going on here, you, you know, you should trust your wife and and, you know, she had an affair that lasted almost two years. And, you know, I'm not friends with that person anymore because of it.
3: People are um, locked into this uh, one way or another. It does feel like you're involved just by finding out. Oh. Alex, you're on the Run of Fez show.
8: Yeah,
5: I've been in a situation on both sides. I've had someone was cheating on me. My friends didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. I was mad at them at the time. But I've also been in a situation where I had a friend where his wife was cheating on him, and I told him they ended up working it out, and I ended up losing both of them because it made the situation awkward.
3: It is a uh, a tough one. All right, well, it's the brand-new film, Vince Vaughn, Kevin James, uh, The Situation, directed by Ron Howard, and uh, coming in to the show right now to promote the film, uh, the terrific character actor legendary a legendary character actor love him mr clint howard I it, grew it, up in you New right but with, the they with a social crutch. Clint Howard in the
1: uh, studio with us. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Ron. This uh, the song that we brought you into. When when was this recorded? Um, The Kempsters were alive and well in the early 80s, and and, uh, Dog Day was one of our first songs, so it was probably written in 81. About 81, yeah. Yeah, And we were were playing around Los Angeles and doing demos and and around for, oh, I think three years, from like Mm -hmm. 1981 to 1984, and I, I broke the band up because, first of all, I was getting, I realized it was kind of hazardous to my health because those five o'clock sound checks in the afternoon when you started drinking seven and sevens. Right. And then your show didn't go on till midnight. You'd end up being pretty trashed by the time, you know, the curtain was raised. And I I realized that, you know, I already had a job being an actor and, and the music thing. Was only going to either kill me
2: mm-hmm.
1: or or wear me out real quick. Yeah. So I retired from being a rock and roller.
3: Yeah, and it's definitely two different shifts. One's late at night, and I, for whatever reason, with with movies, you guys are always up early in the morning.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, listen, I don't know, maybe because. I, I grew up in the business. I am an early riser, right? And it's it's uh, it's nothing for me to get up at five a.m. to go to work and be on the set at six or even earlier. When we when we worked on The Grinch uh-huh. and we had to do all that makeup, I had to be in the makeup chair at like four a.m. Yeah. and that wasn't a problem to me. So the whole when when I was going through my rock and roll career as a chemster, um I certainly kind of it was it was odd for me because I would still wake up early. It was mm. I was living a weird life. And you said you grew up in the
3: business more than most people. You really 100% grew up
1: in the business. I do not remember when I wasn't an actor. Wow. Because I started when I was two. Uh-huh. I mean, I literally was acting. The Andy Griffith show Yeah, was the first opportunity that I had to, to be in front of a camera and I played a character called Leon um, and I don't have any memory of that. Right. And I don't know. I'm not even sure whether I was potty trained at too. Wow. I'm not even sure. I don't have children. I don't know when that happens. but I'm Around there, I think. It was around there. I don't know whether I ever acted with a load in my <laughs> pants or not. But but so did Andy. So did <laughs> I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Barney had, Don had a load in his pants, so everything was fine. No, uh, you know, so so... The, the the lessons I learned first of all, you know, seriously. My mom and dad. Mom passed away ten years ago. My dad is still vibrant and 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 going strong. He actually mm. works more than me. Rance Howard is his name. And the new uh, film too, with you guys. Yeah, the family film. Yeah. Um. Uh. He brought this kind of professionalism to us, and sort of by osmosis and and by his guidance, both Ron and I sort of learned the ins and outs of how to survive in the entertainment business. Right. There is a there's a laid-backness, I think,
3: that you guys got from your dad. That reminds me of the Bridges family. It's the same exact way where, uh, you know, whether you're up or down with it, you guys seem to
1: just roll along with it. Well, you know, and I think it was probably the same way with Lloyd, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Bridges yeah. patriarch. Um, I don't believe he was intoxicated by the business. Right. I know my mom and dad were not intoxicated by the business. Um, they were children of the Depression, raised in the Midwest. My dad was born to be a farmer, and my mom was the daughter of a butcher. Right. So when they had dreams, independently, yeah. they had dreams of getting into the sh- getting into the entertainment business. They just saw it as an opportunity for a good job. Right. You know, and being in the business, just like what you do. I mean, you're in the entertainment. It's it's a job. And you need to be prepared, and you need to put a good professional foot forward when you work, because otherwise you won't survive. Yeah. And that sort of Midwestern sort of... Oh, I don't know. Attitude, yeah, is something that Dad instilled in both Ron and I, and I, I imagine the same thing happened with Lloyd and his sons. Yeah, there, uh,
3: that there is something about that where maybe if you're raised in the business, it seems less flashy to you. You're more, less likely to run out and get a brand new sports car every time you get a few bucks.
1: Yeah, you know, first and foremost, there's you know, show business can be really intoxicating. Yeah. When when important people put their arm around you and tell you how great you are, it's mm. like doing a shot of tequila or a couple mm. of shots of tequila, which is fine. The trouble is it's a trap because if you keep doing it and you keep searching for that intoxicating thing, there's a good chance it's going to mess you up. Yeah. You know, and for whatever reason, Dad instilled in us the idea that it's a great business, it's a great career, and it really is, because you get to meet a lot of really fascinating people, and you get to go on a lot of great adventures, but it's a job, and you need to be prepared for it, otherwise, you're going to, first of all, be a fool, because you're losing a great opportunity, and, you know, it, it beats digging a ditch. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that you guys
3: having that knowledge... It's still got to kind of be hurtful that you see so many people hitting the wall. People that you came up with or people that you see fresh new to it. And they—and you it, it's almost like you're somewhere and you're watching people ODing without even knowing that they are. I don't really give a <laughs>
2: shit.
3: <laughs> that was the best fucking answer ever. It really was. Um, by the way, the new movie, uh, The Dilemma... We were talking about it before you got here because I don't know if there really is a 100% solid answer to the question that the movie sets up. That that it's really a tough call of do you tell your friend or not.
1: I'll tell you what. I've, I've gone through a transformation because when I first heard of the idea, mm-hmm. and that's one advantage I have of being Ron's brother, is I hear about the projects as they develop. So right. I knew this was in the pipeline, and I knew that... Vince was very interested in trying to get this movie made. And I know Brian, Ron's partner was, and, and Ron was my immediate reaction was, Oh, you don't tell, right. Keep your friggin' mouth shut, yeah. you know, mind your own business. And then as, as, um, I have a wife, and she mm-hmm. thinks differently but But, as I watched the movie and participated in it, first participated in it and then watched the movie, I think i've changed i yeah. think I think a person if they really see it, if they really see Channing Tatum with his tongue halfway down your mm-hmm. best friend's wife's throat, right. I think you got to grow a spine and say something. You got to be able to stand up. But at the same time, it's it,
3: the here's the interesting thing about the movie because you go there and you're expecting a comedy, which it is, and kind of a buddy comedy, which it is. But at the same time, it doesn't really give any of the characters any breaks. It plays a little more layered than most Hollywood comedies that we're used to. That no one is completely right. I think. In the story.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the approach Ron wanted to take. I yeah. Mean, th- th- Ron certainly didn't want to make some sort of silly, fluffy, screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. He wanted to take this situation and make it funny, of course, because it needs to be entertaining. I mean, the, the whole concept is you manufacture entertainment for people. Right. And, and yet, he wanted to treat it with a certain amount of honesty and also something that Ron always brings to the table and it's just him i i think it's him more than me mm-hmm. he, he really is involved in emotions and mm-hmm. and and ron really feels like that you know there the, the repercussions of the dilemma
2: mm-hmm.
1: when, when okay there's a cheating there's somebody screwing around um there's going to be a price to pay and mm-hmm. it's going to be a marriage it's going to be years of your life it's going to be friendships that and and it it's emotional so not only is the movie funny mm-hmm. and i i think it's very smart because i think like you said you know Yeah, the characters are layered. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not like there's a right and a wrong and a good guy and a bad guy. I think everybody's got some foibles here. Yeah. Um. That that he brings an honesty to the table, and and then again that emotion that I think is, you know, it's the movie The Dilemma is my cup of tea. Yeah. You know, there are movies that Ron makes that really aren't my cup of tea. I I honestly really didn't give a crap about The Da Vinci Code. No time for it. Well, you know, I saw it, and it just, you know, I I got about 15 pages into the book and said, no, this thing blows. (laughs) (laughs) You know, reading The Da Vinci Code for me was like taking two Valium, you know. Mm -hmm. After about 10 minutes, I was Um, You know, listen, I think Ron did a good job on Da Vinci Code for what it was, just not my cup of tea. But a movie like The Dilemma, is because mm-hmm. it's real it's it's people and and Ron makes them funny but it's a real situation and it's honest and you know again like you said I mean I'm not trying to kiss your ass here but you know there is there are layers and and nobody's right yeah. and nobody's purely right and nobody's purely wrong the only the only character that probably you know is is an ass is the one owner right character yeah, but I don't want to give anything away for, to the audience. Okay,
3: but I feel like she got into that, and maybe out of everybody in the in the movie, the the film is less kind to her point of view because we obviously see it through the guy's point of view. But Kevin James was no, you
1: know. Well no a yeah. cup of tea there. Hey anybody anybody going to the to the Asian massage parlor <laughs> right. with the, getting the massage with the happy ending. Right. You know, there's something to happen. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. So it is it's an interesting dilemma and also too, I never had the opportunity to meet Winona Ryder. Uh and I got to spend uh I, I worked I worked with Vince, but then I was on the set with Winona and mm-hmm. Channing. And especially with Winona. First of all, Channing Tatum is a great guy. He just he's a football player, and I think he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. But Winona and I sat in in a couple of chairs for literally two hours. And talked about stuff. And first of all, you certainly don't get a headache looking at one well, on a of the rider. She, and she's got these big, beautiful eyes, and she's really sweet. She's really genuine. And uh, it was like, God, I wish this gal went to high school, you know, mm-hmm. with me. And the same with Vince. You know, after working with Vince we We connected first of all, I think he respected the fact that I could kind of stand toe to toe with him and do improvs and and that we had a good time. he didn 't feel like he had to like dial back because he was working with an actor right um but I felt like Jesus, I wish Vince lived at the end of the block where when I right. grew up because he'd be a good dude to hang out with in high school he We could have gotten into some really, really good shenanigans together,
3: and it, it almost is the reason why he is a a movie star is because people are like oh, that guy, I'm comfortable with him. You know, there's certain people that we're incredibly comfortable with and can get away with shit. Bill Murray is another one. Bill Murray,
1: everybody in the world feels like they know Bill Murray. You know what? Everybody would love to have Bill be their uncle. Right. You know, uh, and I'd feel the same way. I mean, it's yeah. shoot, I... I I haven't had the pleasure. I've known friends of mine, good friends of mine, get to play golf with Bill Murray, not in a celebrity situation, but right. I just mean out on the golf course. And they just say Bill is just so, I mean, he's just the champion of all great crazy uncles. Yeah. But the same thing about Vince. You just feel like, you just, first of all, he's got skill. He's a really good improvisational actor. Yeah. And I think he's got a good bullshit detector. And and Ron and I have talked about this a lot they're they're the really good actors, and I don't want to just say movie stars, but the guys that somehow can manage to, and the and the ladies, they can mm-hmm. take it to the next level. They've got this detector in their head. If they smell bullshit with their character or what the way the way the scene is behaving, mm-hmm. they will say, "Hey, no, 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 that's bullshit. That that's right. not the way it really is." Well, Vince has that. Vince has is, is got a good sense of 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 like. What's bullshit and what's not? And I appreciate that in people because when I watch films, you know, in my first of all, I'd rather be I'd rather watch sports than movies. Mm -hmm. But when I when I watch a film, if I see too much bullshit, I throw the flag and then mentally check out of the movie. It's like, well, this was a nice try, but there's too much BS going on. Are there people that will never
3: get over with you like actors that you'll just like because you you can see technique so well that that you feel like they're never being real that even though the American public might buy it?
1: Well, no, because I understand, you know, there's lots of different ways to get to the end of the road. Uh Some actors are real technical. I mean, I've worked with actors and I'm not going to name any names here, but that hardly look you in the eye. And I'm not talking about big movie stars. It's just their process is they've got their shtick that they do, Mm -hmm. and they're sort of in their own world. But the fact is, they're entertaining folks. Right. You know, now there are some actors that I've worked with, and I'll tell you one guy, and now I'm going to name drop Bob De Niro was so organic working with him. It was so real. I felt like, my goodness, this guy is finding every piece of truth he can out of every moment. Now this was on backdraft. And and listen, another thing about the acting in movies, first of all, De Niro's been in dozens and dozens and dozens of movies. Occasionally he's gonna probably phone in a moment or two. Mm-hmm. I, I know I've phoned in moments or there are moments where I've I I've thought, well this is the way I want to play it and then I sort of forced that you know, I forced that into the scene and then I look back and I realize, oh boy, that was shitty. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't hit a home run every time. The goal for character actors, and I think for anybody, is to just keep hitting line drives. You just got to try to hit, just take as good a swing as you can and just try to hit it. Try to hit it, and, you know, swinging for the fences every time doesn't really work. The idea is you take good swings, and hopefully you can drive the ball. If you move the ball around a little bit, every,
3: everybody else keeps moving, and it's good for the whole process. Is it difficult for you, like, because you'll play all different kinds of roles. Sometimes you're you're only in for a scene or two, so you're not part of the whole process, and then suddenly, you know, the movie's going on for a while, and then you come in
1: and do your stuff. Do you feel like an outsider on some of these sets? or? Well, yeah, there's, shoot, there's times where I've worked with actors and I've never been introduced to them. Yeah. I mean, that happens a lot on television because it's such a factory. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time on movies, you, you meet the people you're working with. Um, that, that, the, well, I'm sorry. I just went brain dead. We were just talking about you being able to jump into the oh, process. Yeah, so yeah. Much. No, no. I'll tell you what. And not to make another baseball analogy, and I'll mm. quit, and I'll move to golf after that. <laughs> no, um, no the, 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 um, I'm like a relief pitcher. In most cases, I'm a guy whose job it is is to come in and face one batter or maybe pitch an inning. Mm-hmm. And my job as that relief pitcher is I better be throwing strikes. I can't screw around. I I you know a starting pitcher a guy who's like the star of the movie mm-hmm. if he happens to do a scene that's not quite on the money well he's going to have many opportunities right i come in i got to get the guy out my job is to throw strikes and especially on the big studio movies there's an extra pressure of there's you know it's a bigger movie there's more at stake bigger director bigger stars yeah. you know and there's there's an extra pressure to Throw my pitch, and sometimes on studio movies, I end up playing it a little safer because I just want to get the ball over the plate. Yeah, get out of here. And I'm I'm sure almost immediately, though, you pick up whether
3: it's a happy set or a tense set or whatever seems to be going on. That's happened long before you got
1: there. You know. Yeah, you know, though, Ron. Listen, it does it really matter if it's happy go lucky? That's fine. Mm -hmm. If it's chaotic. You know that's maybe not so great, but I still gotta do my friggin job, yeah, so I've worked on situations where it's been very cold, yeah, you know, movie stars haven't been talking to each other or it it it's it's there's an arrogance about the situation that just ain't cool mm-hmm. um and then, but my job is to go in there and throw strikes, and then there are other situations where. It is a great set, and you feel like there's a lot of creativity going on. And, and it's one thing about about Ron's movies is it, there's hardly ever a moment where it isn't really a warm, creative environment. Mm. And, and I think part of that is because Ron, as a director, having been an actor, understands the the psyche of actors and understands you know the the, the problems that actors go through. Um, and the anxiety actors have, and he he doesn't he, he tries as as a director he tries to pull actors out of that anxiety and give them an opportunity to kind of you know be the best they can be you know, being, a, being a movie director is a lot like being a coach mm. you know you you've got you gotta coach up your team first of all you're you're in charge of sort of picking your team and then you've gotta put them in the best possible environment and give them plays and give them. Every possibility to score points. The interesting thing is that most uh, coaches,
3: though, do have like some kind of set system. Where if you look over these films, they're so
1: different. This
3: this film here is so much different than Beautiful Mind or, or Frost
1: Nixon, for instance. Yeah, Frost
3: Nixon. I mean, you the, sometimes you almost don't feel Ron Howard as the director, at least, at least unconsciously. Where if you're going to go to a Tarantino movie, you know immediately. Two bars into this, you're in a Tarantino movie.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean that's sort of Ron's style, I mm-hmm. think. But but uh, and Tarantino, Quentin is a great guy. But yeah, Quentin Tarantino sort of has his signature. Right, you are going to feel it. Well, Ron's signature seems to be character and the humanity of it and hope and and yeah, some of that's kind of bullshit. But but they, Ron is really a Capra esque. You know, romantic. Right. And me, on the other hand, I mean, I'm sort of the cynical other brother. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you definitely are. <laughs> you only have to
3: convince us. Clint Howard, what a pleasure to have you in here. The Dilemma is the new film. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Hey, great to talk to All
10: you. Right. Bed
0: on the virus.
10: This is my last video I going to make out for right now. But but here we go. Yeah, yeah. You might see me all blue, all red, every day, every day. I'm 50 Tyson, I'm from North on Twin City, Minnesota, that's where I'm from. And I've been back, I've been back. I put on for my city life and ain't nothing. I- so we do the same. They call me 50 Tyson, I'm from the north side zone. Twin City, Minnesota, that's where I'm from. I ain't gonna say that I'm 50 Tyson. I'm from North Side Zone, Twin City, that's where I'm from. I ain't gonna lie, but I'm 50 Tyson. I'm from North Zone, Twin City, Minnesota. I ain't gonna lie, man, I'm 50 Tyson. I'm from North Side Zone, Twin City, Minnesota. I am I'm a ball player. I was born to be a ball player, I was born to be a football player, that's why I've been doing like athletic. I sports my brother named Tony junior he's a football player run four tracks i ain't gonna lie because i'm a ball player i'm in, I ain't going to lie. hit me up my album's coming out real soon hit me up and i'm sweet 16 right now i'm 16 and then next year i beat be what yep yeah yep. Yeah. and then i will be like remix 17
8: all day I will be 17 next year sweet 17 all day
10: every day all right hit me up soon though my one will come out real soon though hit your boy if you tighten up on MySpace or even on YouTube
0: the virus Sirius 197 XM 202 Ron and Fez you're out What do you get that Malachi? I'm safe. I said you're out. I'm safe.
2: You're out. Safe. 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 Out. I say you're safe. If you don't like it, you can go to the showers. Okay, then, Doc. Have it your way. I'm safe. Listen (laughs) you motherfucker.
3: It's the Ron and Fez show. 866-RON-0-FEZ. 866-RON-0-FEZ. Uh, that was Clint Howard in here with us, which I have to admit, I'm not an easy laugh, but that, I don't give a shit, really cracked me up. So here's the weirdest thing is, sitting with Clint Howard, you really do feel like you've known the guy your whole life. Oh, yeah.
4: There's just a voice, and just seeing him walk in here was yeah, not great.
3: Yeah, the voice is the Clint Howard voice. Um... <laughs> But he it really is weird. In your life, you may have seen Clint Howard in more things than anyone else. Yeah, it's huge. Fucking just team. constantly in movies, even if it's for a second. But you will always go, well, there's Clint Howard. You will never be like, oh, he hid in that character, you oh, know. Oh, no. Uh, he was in the Star Trek when he was like, I don't know, five or something like that.
4: It's ridiculous.
3: No, it isn't ridiculous. It actually happens.
4: It's, it's ridiculous. He's so, so many you know things what? as a child.
3: You should start and say ridiculous. That would be perfect for you. Okay. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, let's Uh, go over here to Keith. Keith, you're on the Run a Fez show. Hey, I got an Ichabon for you.
2: In, I don't guys. know. I, I work. Oh, don't talk Gee, about uh, your Ichabon
3: sounder ever.
5: I work nights,
3: so I woke up late. I was having late breakfast, and I seen it on TV. Brett Favre's sister—I'm not sure where—she got busted for running a meth lab. I don't know if it was, it's old news by now, but I just heard it like an hour ago. Yeah, it's a family business. It's uh-huh. um, if you live, if you're from the south, and a uh, Brett. Grew up in, well, actually, right outside of Bumfuck, Mississippi. Oh. You, I mean, he wasn't in Bumfuck, yeah. but you could see the lights from his front porch. You could see the lights of Bumfuck. Nice. The chances are your sister's going to run a meth lab. Your fat sister's got a meth lab going.
4: Yeah, she's just cooking down some fucking suit No, Now,
3: this is what pisses me off. I thought we were done hearing the word Brett Favre. He's completely in a football season where he didn't do a lot on the field, dominated the off-field gossip. Because anything that was connected with him was only gossip, and so is this. And it kind of annoys me that this even gets into the news because the only reason is because it's Brett Favre's um, sister. And then everybody's saying the same thing to me when I'm in here today. Why didn't Brett Favre give her some money? You don't know how much fucking money he gave her over her <laughs> life. But why is he just supposed to be this fucking faucet spilling out fucking money to his sister?
6: She needs meth. Why didn't you just buy her some?
3: Maybe she needs meth or maybe she was in the business.
6: True. They're the family from Shameless. They re- the Favre should be the next reality show family.
3: Right, I'm a little lost. What's Shameless again?
6: That's the Bill Macy thing where oh, every, yeah, the whole right. family, every generation is just partying.
3: I don't think that is as much as it's just him partying. Out of that whole family, he seems like he's the only addict to me. I know the kids drink and stuff, uh-huh. but he's the only one passing out. Yeah, he's... And that fucking girl is taking care of the little kids.
4: The kids should be doing that. He's he's way too fucked up.
3: Um, Jeff, you're on the Run and Fizz Show.
5: Did you say Jeff?
3: Yeah, I did say Jeff. So what?
5: Thank you, Mr. B. Yeah, this is for Febby. Uh, my favorite show is the Andy Griffith Show, and the, one of the greatest side characters was Leon, played by Clint Howard, and he would always have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in his hand, and he would always offer it to somebody. No, thank you.
8: Re-
3: Everybody exactly. would always say no, thank you to him. Isn't it very <laughs> weird, like you said, he did not, uh, he has no memory of being on that show. He was that little. Uh, he did Gentle Ben when uh, he must have been like seven, eight years old. He was in Star Trek episode, one of the real fucking famous Star Treks. It just went on and on. His fucking... The amount of work that he's able to do... And he is right. Uh, he and his brother are like the sweetest people. They are not fucking caught up. even And his dad's a sweet guy.
4: And you never hear shit about them, ever.
3: No. You never hear... Oh, Ron Howard fucking is the biggest dick. You'll never hear that from anywhere. <laughs> anybody. Shit. Even like when he did Happy Days and they would start and make, uh, you know, Fonzie the star. He was like, okay, you know, we're all in this together. Um,
4: it's Happy Days, baby.
3: Here's uh, Drew. Drew, you're on Running Fez.
4: Hey, Ronnie.
5: Fez, yeah. what's up, man? Um. I was just going to say, another great interview. A lot of times when I don't have a personal emotional tie to these guys, I find myself zoning out a little bit. But I thought, listening to uh, Clint, it was kind of refreshing just how straightforward and, like, honest he was. To hear a guy say that he thought one of his brother's movies just wasn't his cup of tea. I just thought that was really cool.
3: I thought it was very funny, uh, (laughs) a couple of the things. Well, first of all, I think it's really interesting uh, with the character actor stuff of... He's going to be like the cleaner. He'll come on the set. Doesn't matter if it's a good set, nope. bad set. He'll do his shit and then get out. You know, I don't care if the star is having a great time or an awful time. I don't care if anyone's fuck, getting fucked up on dope. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Let him fucking die. I'm not here to protect everybody. <laughs> I'm a professional. And it's almost like a guy that you would give money to have him show up, put two bullets on somebody and leave.
4: It's fucking perfect.
3: Just uh, ice water. Just... Ice water. Um, eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Um, here's uh, Joe Joe Yerman Fez.
5: Hey Ronnie B, how you doing, guys? Good. I just wanted to to applaud you, Ron. Obviously, everybody knows you're an awesome interviewer, and you probably would have done a great job with with a Vince Vaughn or or if you got a Kevin James, but. To be perfectly honest with you, I thought it was much more insightful to get a guy like Clint Howard. I mean, everybody knows his face. He's been in a million movies. And I, I loved, you know, when you when you posed the question about the uh these young actors or whatever, Oding on the success and, and he just said, I don't give a shit. It was I fucking hysterical. I there's
3: I mean, very few people that can catch me. Um not figuring it, at least at some point where they're going with it, because he's got these really kind eyes, but he doesn't give a shit. He honestly doesn't, but again, he takes care of his own thing. I mean, he comes from a place of professionalism, and he expects other people to act the same, and when they don't, when they turn out to be Lindsay Lohan, you know, that's an industry town. Um, It's very, very weird how... uh, rough that fucking town could be for it. Not seeming that way.
4: No, not at all.
3: You know, it doesn't seem like uh, it seems like everybody is much kinder than they are in like, let's say, New York or Chicago, but they're ruthless people. They are fucking ruthless people, and and they get their own. They will
4: take their own out. I guess they prefer that than anything else.
3: Yeah, and they like, you know, as nice as they are on the surface... They're all stone cold killers.
4: Snakes, just fucking right. Just laying in the grass.
3: <laughs> Speed the plow, motherfucker. Speed the plow. How you doing over there, big cat? You look like you're in a little place today, huh?
6: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
3: I want you to feel as good as Chris Stanley.
4: This no, is
6: real the... great. Feeling great.
4: Hmm?
6: Feeling great well, baby. I know you are. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting for. Oh. Try to get no, past some of the nerves. Here we go. Here we go. What
3: are you nervous about, Glenn Howard?
6: Uh no, 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 just uh just regular antsiness. So nothing nothing in particular that set it off. Just just normal everyday panic.
3: Can I quote Clint Howard here? Sure. I don't give a shit. Just be a professional today. Be a professional today. Look at Chris Stanley. He hasn't sat down yet today.
4: No, I, I I drank a bunch of Red Bulls again, though. Sorry.
3: You know what? You're asking about that stuff. You need to stay away from the Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah? Yeah.
4: I don't know. It tastes really good.
3: It might taste good, but you're wired lately. <laughs>
4: it
6: doesn't even taste
4: good. Oh, I fucking love it. Non-stop. It's like someone made Kool-Aid without the sugar. There's sugar in it. I thought that's what it mainly was. <laughs> <laughs> and some mystery chemicals <laughs> called like fucking taurine or some shit, but it's just sugar and caffeine.
3: Gasol is also in there.
4: <laughs> so
3: is what is just high on the caffeine.
4: Probably. I mean, the other day, I think on Monday or whatever, I drank a bunch of them, I didn't drink it yesterday. But Monday, I was all wired, fucking. I couldn't. You
3: were hearken and jerking the other day, and today you're not
4: even. You're not even sitting down in the room. No, I don't need to. Fuck it.
3: It's not a matter whether you need to, <laughs> but you make other people feel weird.
4: Oh, sorry. Okay.
3: Well, now I see you're forcing yourself to sit down.
4: <laughs> Legs gone, restless leg syndrome.
3: <laughs> Whatever just happened to people being able to maintain? Just just maintaining.
4: No, well, I just, you know, put too much chemicals in yourself some days. I guess it throws you off. I might walk you over to a rehab one Why? afternoon just to see how they do, just to see if they take you. Oh, did you say I maybe mean, have like a pre interview? Yeah, pre interview. And
3: by that, I'm going to still ask you to pack a bag. Oh, um. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, just to see if you don't enjoy that as well.
4: Oh, like being in a rehab? I did outpatient rehab before. That was court-ordered.
3: Yeah, that's not the same. You're not really no, there. No. You're not really there if it's court-ordered. <laughs> um, I hope I didn't give away too much, but I thought that thing of him acting like when owner Ryder wasn't a, a person that you could feel sorry for. It's only because that's where your brother put the fucking camera. Kevin James wasn't treating her like a fucking, you know mm. like a princess either. Come on, Kevin. It's Winona Ryder. But everybody, uh I know. Like what world do we live in yeah, that Kevin James would get Winona Ryder? <laughs> hey, his <laughs> women just keep getting more and more attractive. The fuck. Um I don't know whether you saw this, uh, but LeBron James tweeted and it made the papers again. The Cavs got beat by uh 55 points and then he tweeted crazy karma is a bitch gets you every time it's not good to wish bad on anybody god sees everything and that gets picked up immediately by espn uh the twitter is one of the the best things that's ever happened to journalists because now they don't have to get an interview nope they don't have to get a quote they'll go just look at the nutty shit people do
4: it's it's the, it's the best. And it seems that athletes more than anyone are the ones really seem to be getting in trouble the most, or at least getting picked up the most.
3: Well, I will tell you this. Here's a fun thing to do. Uh, follow comedians, and there is nothing crazier than a comedian. Well, let me just set the whole thing up first of all. They will just like, oh, I'm going to be appearing here, and then uh, there's a joke. I'm going to be appearing here, you know, then – And three days go by, and then maybe a joke or two to Mm -hmm. something out of the news. And then suddenly, after nothing, and within the course of three hours, five hours, you might get 25 tweets.
4: Stream of consciousness.
3: And when that happens, you know they are on an airplane. And when a comic is on an airplane, and it doesn't matter who it is, they will say the most bizarre, aggressive disgusting, lunatic stuff, and then they get off the airplane and they're back to normal. They're just occasionally yeah. going to tweet, oh, I'm going to be appearing in, in fucking some stuff. Manassas. <laughs> My new fucking book is out, whatever. <laughs> and then when they're back on an airplane, they're talking crazy. Like, there is a heightened thing when you're on an airplane to all life, whether you're happy, sad, Mad, frustrated, and it must be you're never as alive as when you're so high in the air that you could die.
4: Well, it's a few times you talk to people that are sitting next to you or in a close. Oh, I try here. not to. Really? Just, mm-hmm. just fucking ignore.
3: Yeah, I don't want it. But the thing is, if I get into a conversation,
4: oh yeah, All right. it
3: isn't a matter of killing, uh, you know, five minutes. Now you could end up having to kill, you know, fucking six hours, Very and that's unbearable. It's unbearable when you've been on a plane with somebody, and at the end of the trip, they want to give you a hug. <laughs> and you're like, okay, dude. we uh, talk. We're not, yeah. No, don't even give me your, your, your number. No, this is just put an email. Airplane. This is just an airplane thing. We're not buddies. Um, Where are you going to be tonight? I tell you the truth. I'm not the biggest fan of small talk. Maybe because I, small, I talk for a living. No. And I hate, like, if I'm in a store, and my chick will just open that, you know, like, oh. telling them what we're doing, or... Bringing up the weather, and I'm like, here I am now, in a conversation, an unpaid (laughs) fucking conversation with someone who was just throwing cliches back at me. You know, I don't know, I guess, maybe you gotta bring some to get some.
4: I don't know. Hey, you gotta be in to win it.
3: Uh, Hicks, you got a new song that you're just loving more than anything else, right?
4: Yeah, I'm feeling it big time, Ron. It's called Dirty Love.
3: Now, what's the story with Dirty Love? Tell me a little bit about it. Well,
4: Dirty Love, that's our favorite figure skaters, Olympic skater Johnny Weir's new single. Mm. This is his music.
3: He just, and this is going to amaze you. It's number one in Japan. That's crazy. Number one song in Japan. Don't know if it charted here in the U.S.
4: He loves dance music.
3: Uh, I also got some exciting news for you. What's that? Johnny Weir is in the building. <sighs> And it looks like he's going to be stopping in here. Yeah, the Johnny oh, Weir. Are you
4: serious? I love that reality show. It was the it was the best.
3: Well, he's got a brand new book. I think you need to check out okay. right now. All right. Uh, and I think it's called uh, Welcome to My World. It's available in stores now. I'll grab it. And you could also go to online dot com slash Johnny Weir. I'm
4: going to go there right now.
3: Uh. But also, the, what's the name of the song that you love so much?
4: Dirty Love.
3: Dirty Love. This is uh, number one in Japan, Johnny Ware. <laughs> As we end with Arigato, Johnny, you were just telling me this is the number one song in Japan.
11: Yes. Yes. The number one song in Japan. The number one song in Japan on uh on their Amazon chart?
2: It, How it, weird just is in that?
11: Pop. It's so weird. I'm an ice skater. Like <laughs> why do I have a number one single? <laughs> now, did did you kind of just do the song on a on a lark or just on a whim. I yeah. went into my friend's house, uh he has a home studio in Los Angeles last spring and uh he was just like yeah come over we'll just play around a little bit and i had i had a day off so i said why not if i'm not busy then you know i may as well i may as well find something to do now, um so, this, uh, uh, but you were involved in so many things you got the new book out you've done the tv shows absolutely i mean i'm constantly busy i can't sit i'm like a shark if i stop swimming then i die now the thing is you're in that
3: weird position too as you turn everything that you're known for is your athletic career into whatever next and you're such a young guy that this is the time that if you if it's going to take it's gonna take now,
11: right? Exactly. Um I, I wanted to take one year away from competitive because mm-hmm. I needed time to to eat and relax and enjoy sort of all the the these opportunities that came my way after the Olympics in Vancouver last year, and I've been busier than I've ever been in my entire life. And skating and training and getting yelled at by a small angry Russian woman every day yeah. seems like a vacation right now. It does, huh? And now you're going to go back to competitive skating, or I'm, I'm hoping to. Yeah. I, I need to. It, it's a full time job. I need mm-hmm. to completely cut myself out of all these projects that I've gotten into. And, and uh, you know, live live like a monk and train and e- sleep, eat, train. Sleep, eat, train. That's the life.
3: But once you've gotten out of that and having the kind of fun that you're doing now where, you, you know, you're going places and everybody's like just glad to see you. It has nothing to do with the performance. Isn't it hard to go back now to go back to the, being competitive again?
11: It'll be difficult to go back and be as disciplined as I was. Yeah. But you don't. You don't skate for as long as I have and go to two Olympics and not love the daily grind. As much as it sucks and it's hard, you don't not fall in love with it. I miss feeling like I accomplished something great on the ice every day. I miss that feeling. So it won't be as difficult as I imagined it would be. Mm-hmm. But it it is now. I have a different life than a year ago when I was training for the Olympics and, and getting prepared. and um It'll just be if I can get myself back to where I used to be that I'll decide if I'll try to go to the next Olympics or not.
3: Wow, I had no idea. I thought you had just decided I'll go out and you know, do the professional type skating, but I did not not know that you thought I want to hold on to the competitive stuff as well.
11: Yes, I mean, to to go to an Olympics once is amazing. To go twice, it's mm. unbelievable, but to go for a third time, I'll be old, and I won't really challenge for a medal, but mm-hmm. just to go again. It's in its in Russia, and Russia's a very special place to me. I have a lot of fans there, lots of friends, and um, I trained there for part of the year. And um, to compete in the next Winter Olympics in Russia would be kind of like competing on home turf. Wow. So that's what's kind of keeping me inspired about it.
3: I thought one of the cool things when you did that show with Sundance is that they, when they would have the cameras down on the ice you could start and pick up the speed that I don't think that we always get when we're watching TV because the, the camera is so far back. Yeah. Where you would have the ice there, boom, you're, you're down on the ice with it and just going by. It's a lot more explosive uh, when, the, when you're that close.
11: Yes, and, and part of the Sundance show is I wanted to show things like that. I wanted yeah. to show how fast you skate, how hard you fall. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to respect my sport for for everything that they they disrespect it for. Right. I wanted them to understand that it's hard. We don't wear pads. We're all completely alone, skating in the freezing cold, no pads, falling down, bleeding, skating on broken blo- b- bones, always being hungry. I mean, all of these situations make us very, very strong people.
3: Yeah, and you're you're actually closer to being the extreme sports, like the skateboarders or whatever, except for because your your sport is older, it's not seen in the same way.
11: Exactly, and plus we have the costumes and the classical music, oh, and that yeah. turns a lot of people off too, and they think of it as a, as a girl's sport sport or or not even a sport at all. Yeah. In this country, in America it's like that.
3: It's almost like it's closer to dance.
11: It's almost like country. it's closer to dance, yeah. yeah. But in Russia, the num- the most macho macho guy and the revered guy that everyone wants to be, it's not a football player or a soccer player. It's a ballet dancer or a figure skater. they mm-hmm. They're the strongest, most worldly, most class classical and classy and elegant people, and that's what a man is. It's it's very interesting to travel the world and see just small differences like that.
3: Also, one of my favorite things about that uh, show that you had was your mom's accent. I love the PA <laughs> Delaware accent. Honey, get in here. You're going down to Delaware for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do it. <laughs> yeah.
11: So you grew up, I mean, the, the life, the, the place that you grew up, you're from what, Coastville and PA? I'm, I was born in the hospital in Coatesville, but I actually yeah. grew up in Quarryville, Pennsylvania.
3: I don't even know that town. That's... Pretty small, I guess. Tiny and Amish. And so to go from that to where you are now, I mean, it's really light years away. It's, it's, it's light years away, but yeah. I would
11: never have gotten to where I am without that, that small town upbringing. I would have, you know, if, had I been born in New York City, I would have burned out and crashed when I was 10. Yeah. But I was little and had to understand the world around me and, and find my own creativity by being young and being isolated in the middle of nowhere and uh, it it only made me stronger for when I had to skate.
3: Anything that added to the discipline that I, thing
11: well my dad added to the discipline. My yeah. dad taskmaster if we were out weeding the you know the brick walkway and we missed two pieces of grass he'd make us do the whole thing again my brother and I. Mm-hmm. The whole thing again and if we did it poorly again We'd be out there until it was dark trying to get every little piece of stone or dirt or bark, um, and he was just teaching us about discipline. Of course, I hated him for it at the time, mm-hmm. but as I grew, I started to understand my mom was like my free spirit and my, my artistic muse, and I was a little bit, my dad taught us how to be hardcore workers.
3: You're, you're, so you're, your mom supported everything that you, did, that you did, but your dad wanted you to do everything perfect.
11: Well, my dad wanted everything to be perfect. My mom wanted us to be free and, and mm-hmm. you know, to make mistakes and be able to fall down. My dad didn't want us to make mistakes or fail, but he accepted it when we did and let us kind of pick ourselves back up. So my parents were, were perfect to make, a, yeah. to make an Olympic athlete. And
3: yeah, because you're in this, this art form and this uh, athletic sport where you can't make the slightest mistake, the slightest mistake. And it's one of the things that since we don't watch, we don't know the sport as well as the people who are hardcore about it. It doesn't look like mistakes stuff us at home, more like what are the judges talking about half the time?
11: Yeah, I mean, and and sometimes it's the people at home are the most, uh, the, the most I suppose, uh, the best evaluators of what right. we're doing. During the Olympics, I skated perfectly. I, I made one tiny mistake on a spin in my... Perfect, I got sixth place and people were outraged and they couldn't understand why and people had fallen that were ahead of me and I don't understand the results either. I know it's all politics and stuff, but um so you know, why
3: stay in a sport that would disrespect you like that? It's gotta I be hard.
11: It. And you know, I've I learned very early on that I was gonna get picked on through my life and it would be a hard life and it would be difficult to go and, and dance to the beat of my own drummer. But, I find strength in that. I was never yeah. one of those kids that cried when th- someone made fun of them or or got upset and i 'm still not and um, I just get stronger and say i 'm bigger, faster, stronger, and, and way hotter than you <laughs> yeah. so why is that though why don't the, why didn 't you know
3: because we 're going through this thing with bullying now and yeah. and, and i don 't think that you can kind of change the world you know it 's up to each person. Uh, of how they're going to deal with stuff, that you could say that the world's not fair, and and, and it isn't. The world has never been fair. So why are you able to let some of this stuff roll off your back?
11: Because I I am confident with who I am. Mm -hmm. Something somebody says. Of course, somebody gets a gun out, and they can shoot you, and you can die. But if somebody says something or doesn't like you for some reason that's just born in you, I mean, I didn't choose to be gay. Mm-hmm. It's a hard life. I don't I don't think a lot of people given the chance to choose would have chosen it. But it, it's something that from birth has made me have to be stronger It has to, made me pushed me to be stronger. And um, that's the way I've always looked at it. I don't think being gay sets me apart from anyone. I didn't choose to be white or male when I was born either. So why celebrate something that I'm born with and why make it a big deal? And that's something I understand, and it takes a strong person to do that. It's easy to sit and play the race card or play the age card or play the sex card. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make something of myself and make something that people would remember and people would respect. So even if they didn't, I knew where what my direction was and where I was going.
3: Well, you know, even with the... uh was saying that you're gay a lot of
11: gay people wanted you to be even more gay or prouder and an or activist and, yeah. and you know leader of the pride parade you know in in an evening gown or whatever that's what a lot of the gay community wanted from me for so long and i refused to say i was gay for so long because it's not important to me mm-hmm. i'm so busy i don't have sex anyway um I I don't have a I've I haven't had a lot of relationships. My biggest relationships with my girlfriends, my women, my manager, my mom, my coach. Um my best relationships are with my girlfriends and and in that way I suppose I'm I'm not so gay because I don't necessarily see my future as having a husband and one and a half labradors. I see it could be, you know, my best girlfriend that I love to pieces, but, you know, I just don't have sex with. But, right. you know, that that's what my life could be. I'm very modern in, in, in that way and thinking that way. I don't need to be an activist for anyone but myself.
3: Well, it is also so weird that no one ever knows what other people are doing, even if they're married for 30 years or whatever. You don't know if they're having sex six times a day or never. Yeah.
11: Why is it anybody else's business? Why do we even, you know... Well, we care. We do care. We want yeah. to put people in boxes and I I'm guilty of it too and I understand people's need for me to to come out and be part of the community and things like that. But you know, you can't push a belief on anybody. You mm-hmm. can't push something that you believe in on anyone like um you know, I I've met those those activist gays that want me to show up at every every event where they're, you know, raising money for the youth or doing this or doing that or or opening a new shelter or a new home. And for me, yes, it's important. You do your job and it's very important, but don't try to make me into something that I don't feel that I am. I don't need to be an activist. The strongest thing I can do is be Johnny Weir, be a good part of the society and be strong and show that I'm not resting on anything. Every time I stand up to do something, I never rest. I do it. If I fall down, I get back up and I try again to do something different, but I don't need to have this this thing to separate me from from the rest of the world.
3: But I w- I wondered about this because you're so smart at branding and knowing how to get your name out there. You could have really done the coming out almost like LeBron James picked his, uh, you know, new basketball team. Yeah. You could have turned it into a special used it to push your book, but you kind of
11: kind of slipped it in there kind of nonchalant. Yes, and and um, you know, I find it it would Really, be a trashy thing if now, after all these years, I used being gay to my advantage. Mm-hmm. I've never used being gay to my uh, to my advantage because it it hasn't been an advantage. My advantage is my work ethic. My advantage is that I'm a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that make me Johnny Weir. And um, you know, just to sell books, there there are lots of things I, I could have come out as a Samoan as well <laughs> to sell books.
3: <laughs> so you've heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny, where is the Samoan? And uh, pick up the book for this. Now, now that you got this out, I know you're looking at at, at fashion as well too. Uh, are you going to think about designing yourself or working with other designers? How are you going to do this?
11: You know, I, I've been working already on a jewelry line and working with uh, with. People that are professionals in the jewelry world, also a perfume and, and uh, fashion is definitely in there as well. I, I toured FIT, the Fashion Institute in New right. York, and um, it terrified me. I, I went on the tour a month or so after the Olympics last year, and it was so aggressive. So many young people, so many teachers, and again, the situation where I was constantly being yelled at by someone in, in order to learn. And it was just way too much for me. So now... Um, Now I'm going to have to work with somebody that really knows the ins and outs better than I do. That's a professional. Mm -hmm. Same with my song. I worked with a professional producer who's worked with lots of different artists and and movies and things like that because I don't know everything and I I would never claim to. But fashion is definitely the next step.
3: um, But yeah, it would be too difficult to do this. I still don't understand how. They, I watch those TV shows, and somebody'll turn something in the pants, and I'm like, I'm stunned. I don't know how that can happen. <laughs> that was a cabbage ten minutes <laughs> yeah, ago. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
11: know. And then they'll yell at the people after they do it. They're like, "How could you screw up like this?" I go, "You gotta be kidding me." Yeah, that's a cabbage. And look at the pleats that you that you made in that cabbage. Like, I, I really, I don't know how they do it. They're geniuses and and artists just as much as Picasso. Uh,
3: the opening chapter in the book, too. You're talking about now. That you're going places and people that you've admired for a long time know who you are and want you to be there. How do you keep that from going to your head and 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 stay in this um, athlete? How do you how do you keep that from taking over?
11: Well, I mean, uh, these celebrities. I mean, uh, they, it's a beautiful thing, but they're mm-hmm. people too. They're artists too. Lady Gaga. I, I went to a photo shoot while she was doing that, and it's the first time I met her a few years ago. And um, since then, she's been one of my great supporters. Her mom comes to my performances and, and um, you know, it, it's Lady Gaga. She pretty much owns the world now. And um, I never let it go to my head because I don't think of them as celebrities. I think mm-hmm. of them as, as other people that are good at what they do. Um, you know, a lot of athletes will let, will let things go to their head. But, I mean, these football players and basketball players and stuff are getting billion-dollar contracts. And, you know, I'm... I'm a normal person. I, right. I, I rent an apartment. I, I, you know, will save up to buy things that I want. And I don't have the same life as those people. So I would never think of myself as a celebrity with, you know, unlimited resources and access. I work really hard for everything that I have that I have and I achieve. And that's the main message of my book that I want people to understand about me.
3: And the interesting thing is maybe because of that, you have to get almost even bigger than your sport in the eyes of American public. Where we brought up LeBron James. There's a whole... Uh, machine to carry him along yes. to keep his name out there. With you, I can't think of before you how many famous, uh, you know, male figure skaters, female figure skaters we've had for a long time. But it's it's hard to sit around and start naming male figure skaters.
11: Yeah, I mean the females have always had the the face of figure skating. Yeah, but now um, now the United States female team isn't good. It isn't strong. So. In that way, the sport is suffering in the United States as well because we always relied on the girl. Mm -hmm. Our Olympic champion this year was from the United States, but I get congratulated on being the Olympic champion all the time. So I've had to make myself bigger than the sport. I've had to make myself the sport, the face of the sport. And um, that's not an easy thing to do, but, but I've done it, and America accepts me as that.
3: And you consciously did it, right? I mean, even as a kid, you started thinking, how can I be known... Outside of the
11: hardcore people that that come to this, well, i I always wanted I always wanted to be in a magazine. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest thing to me. I always wanted just to see my picture in a magazine or in a newspaper. And um, that it's not something that pushed me, but it's something I always thought about. and And I don't say anything just for effect or say something just to say, which is right. something that is often said about me is that I do things for attention, which is definitely very false. I mean, if I had a choice, I'd be sitting on my couch. Last night, I watched the TV Guide Network scroll through the channels forever because I was so exhausted. <laughs> but um, I work hard to bring my flavor to the world. I wanted to leave my mark. And it's as a figure skater, it's as an artist with the song. I, I'm not claiming to be Eddie James or Elton John. I'm claiming to be Johnny Weir and that I sang and I want people to bump and grind and get dirty and have fun to it. Um, With this book I want them to read it and kind of understand who I am they don't have to love me after I don't need to be famous to live and survive if I was still living in Quarryville, Pennsylvania, I'd be the exact same as I am now.
3: Has there ever been any times, though, where you're like, oh, Jesus, that didn't go the way I wanted? You know, I was just having fun at a press conference, and now everybody's upset. Has there been times like that?
11: Absolutely. I mean, I made some drug references when I was 19, <laughs> 20 years old, and I talked about cocaine. And, and um, you know, I've been spotted over the years just um, by people and it, in the skating world especially, and it would go all over the, the skating forums and blogs and things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd be seen, you know, I would have a cigarette when I was younger, or somebody would see me and I would have something that looked like a drink in my hand. And it still happens now. It's just on a on a bigger scale. Right. And, um, and, you know, you, you always, <laughs> I mean, you're on the radio, you've had some mistakes, you know. Yeah, but I'm lucky
3: enough that The people who listen to me go, good. Make more mistakes. You know what I mean. (laughs) You come from a really fall on your ass. (laughs) You come from a place where they expect, you know, a certain tradition too. Tradition and perfection. Robots.
11: Uh, And I refuse to be one. So I know, in that sense, I don't fit the mold anyway. I'm already ten behind these people mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe aren't as good as me. But I'm already a step below them because I'm not what my figure skating world wants. So don't worry about falling down because you're already down a little bit.
3: Uh, Johnny Weir, uh, and it's JohnnyGWeir.com. JohnnyGWeir.com,
11: and the and the
3: new book is Welcome uh, to My World. And, uh, of course, the single can, is available where? Can we go through the website for on, that?
11: Or? Um, it, it's, on, it's on iTunes.
3: And iTunes but, as well.
11: I mean, we're hitting, we're hitting the world hard this week. We want bestsellers. We need, we need lists. We need things. You, you want to <laughs> be number one in everything. doesn't I, matter what it is. You
3: want to be number one.
11: Well, as long as I take it on as a project, it, I should not settle for anything less. Even if I don't win at the end, mm-hmm. at least I try to win. Johnny Ware, thanks so much for stopping by, buddy. And best thanks of for luck. for having to me. You. Thank you.
9: look at the camera and say hey what happened and I believe I was the first one to use a phrase I don't
2: think so
3: Show, ice skating champions I'm not sure but I think Johnny Weir uh, winked at Hicks I
4: was sitting across from him
3: he wants to know where you get one of those Hicks shirts too I'll
4: get his email love dirty love he's digging dirty
3: love huh music it's number one in Japan everyone fucking says that there's no way for us to check Everyone, I've I've never met anybody who wasn't number one in Japan. I might be number one in Japan, I know.
4: Best place ever. Just buy whatever fucking white people will make.
3: I think uh, I had the perfect song to sing them too. What's that? King chong ching. Just fucking loop that. Put it through the auto tune thing.
2: Me lucky
4: like raw fish. Me lucky like raw fish.
3: Something that you know the kids over there could dance to.
4: Alright, okay. Get a nice beat underneath Put it.
3: that in my uh, new album, Harry Carey, motherfuckers.
4: Is be a live album?
3: Um, and I actually got in an argument with Johnny Weir when I told him I thought Hicks was a better fucking skater than him.
4: I don't understand why he got so fucking pissed.
3: He got so pissed because I spit on him after I said it, which I should, probably shouldn't have done. But that's my way of just, like, sending home the point.
4: He had it coming. I can't believe he's going back to competitive skating. That's crazy.
3: Maybe to... this will be another nice Sundance show, though.
4: Hopefully. That shows a shit.
3: Honey, you got to go skating, and that ice is frozen right now. The ice is frozen, honey. You better get out there. No, it's a duck. No, Lady of the Duck Boat, you idiot. Honey, when you're done um, skating out there on the ice, we're going to have ogies. All right. Last night, Kathleen got up in the middle of the night and ate a butterscotch it. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Uh, Sean, you're on run fez.
5: Hey, Mr. P. I just want to say it was finally refreshing to hear a strong, confident, happy gay person in that studio for a change. See
3: you. Uh, that's the thing about Johnny Weir is that he accepts who he is. He doesn't have any weird feel- feelings about it. No. Nope. And off he goes.
4: He loves it. Wishes wish he can get more of it, actually, from the sounds of that interview.
3: Um, the other thing I like is just because I'm gay doesn't mean I'm not going to marry a woman. I don't know, Johnny. Why don't we just start <laughs> skating? <laughs> and But this was this, the funniest thing, too. He goes like this to Hicks. Thank you so much for playing that song. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you.
4: Hey, buddy. Isn't he helping Japan?
3: Uh, dude, seriously, is that your whole thing now?
4: You should be on that, that Bravo show, Girls Who Like Boys Who Like Boys.
3: Is that the, uh, is that the big show right now?
4: Seems like it, yeah. I caught a couple episodes.
3: I like to do, uh, I would like to do a thing, uh, Girls That Like Boys That Like Pizza. Um, Tim, you're on my fez.
0: Hey, how are you doing today? Yeah
5: wondering if it's called uh, Dirty Love because you got shit dick
3: when you're done. No, See, that's the kind of talk that makes me, you know, wonder what goes on with people. Does it really matter whether you've got shit on your dick or quim or whatever? You're just living a happy life.
4: Yeah, piss or blood or whatever. Yeah,
3: who knows what it's going to be. Might be some blood. Who knows? Maybe you're going to wake up with your own cum on your chest. But the point is, and I think Obama was trying to make this point last night, we're all people. And um, I go out in the hall, I was going to go to the bathroom, and Fez was talking to Johnny Weir. And Fez actually said this to Johnny Weir. He goes like this. He goes, I don't know what it is, but when I fart, it sounds like this. He goes, I'm barely making a noise. (laughs) <laughs> and I go, Fez, I, I don't just, want to judge you, but that's classless. I
6: was just trying to get a lot of opinions on it. Johnny happened to be closest.
3: I made that up because I know for a fact you didn't talk to him at all, did you?
6: No, there were so many people around. Didn't get that chance
3: to ask him the question Do like, you wanted to ask Bruce Valange.
6: Right, yeah. Oh. There was just, he's, uh, you know, he's got his girls with him.
3: You know what your problem is, Fez? You're a little shy.
6: Yeah, that happens to me.
4: Why? It was just as broads with them. They're all comfortable. You
3: know how you're shy and you don't like talking?
6: Yeah, that happens.
3: You ought to think about a career in radio then, because you've got all the building blocks. Actually, you should have met him before. He loved talking. He would go on and on.
4: I've, I've heard.
3: Why don't you give us some of your prep work? What do you got prepped up?
6: Well, there's a thing out that says a str- um, that... What kind of thing? Uh, It's a study. Okay. When it comes to dating, Mm -hmm. men prefer a woman who's been dumped by their last boyfriend or by their husband. Uh, But women prefer a man who uh, dumped his last significant other. So men would rather go out with someone who's been dumped, and women would rather go out with the person who's doing the dumping. Now, I'm thinking I would rather go with the dumper. You mean the asshole? Oh. The shitter? No, no, the person who did the dumping. Like, put it in the dumper? No, not that dumper. A whole different kind of dump. Fucked them in the toilet? No, nothing to do with the toilet at all.
3: Don't you think that there's very little dumping or dumped in the regular world? Don't you think it's more like people going, this isn't working out and walking away?
4: I think dumping and dumping or du- getting dumped, whatever happens, like really short-term relationships or whatever. It's like, yeah. I don't want to be with you anymore, or is they find someone else, not serious, serious relationships, yeah, and where it's like we can't do this anymore. you
3: know what we tried, we've done <laughs> some stuff. that's a real that's the way a real relationship ends. like there's no real shock to it. The dump thing normally is people that make up that they were a relationship. they had three or four dates, and then the person's going, "You know what? um you're disgusting. And everything about it is disgusting. And it took me three fucking times to figure it out. But the point is this they weren't in a relationship anyway. Don't you think?
12: Yeah, yeah,
6: that, yeah, I wouldn't count that as a relationship. That was just, you know, a few dates. But if it, it, but in with the dumping thing, I think I would rather be with the person who dumps someone else because they are like. It seems like they're ready to move on to a new relationship, and I, you know, I wouldn't be like the rebound person.
3: Hmm. Uh, Bill, you're on the Running Fez show. Hey Fezzy. Yes.
5: Hey, in your last relationship, were you the dumper or the dumpy?
6: Sadly enough, I haven't had a last relationship.
3: Oh, that's right. Sorry. Why be mean to him though, Bill? Why be mean? Uh, Toby, you're on Running fez.
5: Yeah, Mr. B, uh, you know, teenagers are the only ones that really dump each other. Most adults just uh, stay in a miserable relationship. You look around, and
7: everybody's bitching about the other one, and they stay with them, you know?
3: Yeah, you generally stay. And that even goes back to that other thing that we were talking about today is, like, if you, if I was to tell Hicks... Hey, your girlfriend's fooling around with you and then he, you know, would break up with her. He might not ever be happier broken up. He might be hap- he might be more of a cuckold type.
4: Oh, Jesus.
6: No
3: you things. are a cuckold, my friend.
6: No thanks. Don't want that. Conan O'Brien says he got a call from David Letterman over the holidays, just making sure that there was no problems between the two of them after the uh, latest late night war.
3: Uh, I guess I'm going to say this then. Oh, that's so sweet.
6: There's two things I hate
3: about this. Late night and or talking show.
6: Uh, One is Conan O'Brien letting everyone know that David Letterman gave him this personal phone call.
3: Well, how did he let everyone know on his show?
6: Um, I don't know where he said it. It was in some interview where he, where he, where he let it out. Study? No, not a study, an interview. Thing? Something. So, um, he, um, so it's like he just, you know, that was a personal gesture on David Letterman's part to call him up and to say, you know, hey, how you doing? And then Conan uses it to really just keep this whole late night thing going on. Even though it's all been settled, everyone's in their show where they're going to be, and he keeps it going.
3: Keeps what going?
6: The whole, I lost the Tonight Show to Jay Leno. Jay Leno took it from me. And then the other thing I don't like about this is why is Letterman calling Conan O'Brien? It really takes away from Letterman's cold as ice persona. That takes me back to the Super Bowl last year when he did the Jay Leno commercial where he seemed like he was above it all, you know, was going to look down and make fun of it, and then he really cares about this. So I don't like Dave actually making the phone call in the first place and then Conan telling the world about it.
3: Uh, 866 runs 0 fez 866 runs 0 fez Here's Carl. You're on the run of fez show.
5: Hi, guys. Just want to so say, good to hear uh, Johnny... We're on the radio. I, I, just, I remember him being, was he thrown over Denny Bonaduce's shoulder?
3: No, that was a different Johnny, right? That was Johnny Fairplay.
6: Ricky Gervais is guaranteeing that the Golden Globes will not invite him back to host again after this weekend's ceremony. Where, and he was saying that last year he obviously didn't go far enough. So I, th- I think this is – this. I think Gervais will be off the hook this weekend. He's going to be off the hook? I think he'll be <laughs> off the hook.
3: Uh, Scott, you're on run Fez.
6: Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fez. Yeah. Hey,
5: just, uh, just seeing if uh, Fez, he pulled a kumia trick out of his book and uh, got some digits from the uh, figure skater there. It seemed like they'd be a good couple.
3: Oh, at least somebody to hang out with. Did you ask him, Fez?
6: No, I didn't. He's living over there in Jersey. Oh, yeah, living it up. I didn't get his digits.
3: Where would you like the digits? Up your ass?
6: Oh. I meant his phone number. Oh. Then your mouth. Um... Uh, Jeff Bridges says that when he's done making a film, he likes to get trashed. When he's all done, he likes to go on a nice bender for himself.
3: Well, this this makes me mad, because I think this lost his cool Zeiss thing that he had.
6: Well, he said he doesn't think it's particularly cool, because his wife has been sober for 15 years. Mm. Now, I think... Um, I think I could be with, if I wasn't drinking anymore, which I'm not, which I just, I uh, just quit, you know, late last year, I think I could still be with somebody who was, like, a heavy drinker.
3: Probably you could, because you're not an alcoholic.
6: But it wouldn't, if I was trying to quit drinking, you know, like, I, yeah, um, but I would think, well, all right, if we're going out, at least one of us is going to be sober. I don't have to worry well, about her.
3: Why wouldn't you have to worry about... Well, you mean you? it would be easy for you if you were a drunk to be with a sober person?
6: No, or if I was a sober person being with a drunk.
3: So why wouldn't you have to worry about her if she was the sober one?
6: Who's the sober one, huh? Or the, the wife or the... the uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, wife.
3: So if you were a person who quit, why would you like to be with a heavy partier?
6: No, I'm saying it wouldn't bother me if the person I was with was still partying because I would think, all right, at least I'm around to be like a designated driver.
3: Like, in a, Oh, yeah, because there's nothing better in life than to be the designated driver.
6: Oh, Again, that's because you've never had the jones.
3: Like, let's suppose... And again, it's hard to fucking tell anybody, but if you were a coke addict, you really think you want to be there, now you're sober, but you got the fucking Jones on bed, and then the person's cutting rails in front of you?
4: Yeah, you don't want none of this. Fucking chop, chop. That ain't gonna fucking fly, It man. would be
3: fucking rough.
4: Yeah, just fuck that. It would
3: be very rough if you were a person who had... Dr- and the fact is, the fact that she's like, I'm 15 years sober... It's like serious, like when you're still counting, it's not the same as, hey, I don't drink, but he does. But when you're like still doing the counting and you're with that person, it makes it rough. Now, I guess they worked it out. It's good for them, but it's not exactly, it kind of it goes to show like you don't give a fuck about her sobriety.
4: Yeah, kind of, yeah. Jeff Bridges is coming off like kind of a bit of a dickish. I wonder if he stays away from her or he comes home to her. When he See,
3: it would be up. better like, hey, when I'm out on my own, yeah. I'm whatever. But if he's sitting like she's, you know, white-knuckling this thing and he's keeping beer <laughs> in the house, yeah, it goes to show you don't give a fuck whether she's sober or not.
4: No, not at all. In a
3: way, it's almost like, I wish she wasn't sober. Then I'd have somebody to uh, drink with. Come on, baby, fall off that wagon. Um... Here's Jim. You're on Fez.
5: Hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, I just want to let you know, my girlfriend's mother and father, the father's an alcoholic for 30 years, sober. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend's mother still drinks in front of him, wine, the whole family. We all get trashed in front of him. He just sits there and laughs.
3: Well, again, it's going to depend on the person. That some people, like, I don't mind if people drink in front of me, you know? Now, if you started fucking chopping rails in front of me, I might be like, you know what, I probably need to be in a different place.
8: Oh Jesus.
3: <laughs> you know, I don't know if I could hang out in that environment. All night long. Uh but it's you know, it's up to each person. I know I know uh people who stop drinking and can't go into a bar. They're just like I it's too much for me. Uh Craig, you're running a manifest.
1: What's going on, buddies? Yeah. I uh, I quit drinking for eight years, and in that process, like, my chick kept drinking. Like, we had poker parties every Saturday. They'd get shit-faced. I was the designated driver at my own bachelor party, and I got to be honest, man, it, it sucked. And, I mean, the urge was
5: always there and eventually got the better of me, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it, it sucks. There's no – if you're an octo-alcoholic like I am, I mean it. There's never a good time. The beer shouldn't be in the house, and it's just not fun being around a bunch of drunk people.
3: I mean, just put it this way. Suppose his wife had, you know, a weight problem, and she was trying to keep her weight down. Would you bring a bunch of fucking candy and pudding into the house? Would you be sitting there going like this? I'm baking a cake. Want some pizza? No, you wouldn't do it to her. I don't see what the difference here would be. Try to fucking respect what this fucking uh, this woman's going through. I know you're the dude and all, and you don't give a shit about stuff.
6: I think his uh, excuse, his, his reasoning was um, that his sobriety, uh, a person's uh, sobriety, is always their own thing. Well, that's a
3: that's his. Re- he gets to make that thing. He's fucking drinking. <laughs>
6: Fuck Jeff Bridges,
3: man. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the same way, your weight loss is your own thing too. But do you want to fucking be not eating and have the guy eating fucking pizza next to you?
4: Kind of it, a dick, man. Shit.
3: In a way, you're almost saying we're not even a, we're not married. Yeah, well, Your exactly. problems are your problems.
6: Whatever. Too All bad right, you fine. can't. Too bad you can't have fun anymore. Um, astrologers are going back to the original Babylonian zodiac calendar. So what they're doing is recalculating the dates that go with each sign, so I have found out that I am no longer an Aries and I am now a Pisces.
3: I'm sorry to hear that, I didn't yeah. know.
6: Well I've learned uh, I didn't I didn't know I was always a Pisces and I've learned a lot about myself. Apparently I love the water. Um I'm adventurous and aloof at the same time, energetic, love nature and poetry. I had no idea all these things about me. Uh, Brian, you're right
3: on
5: one Yeah, Ronnie, sobriety is a weird thing. I've been uh, living without booze and drugs for over 15 years and owned a bar about 10 years ago. And I was around alcohol, never bothered me, never really bothered me being around drinkers. One night cleaning up the bar, I found a little bindle on the floor. From the time I picked it up, saw what it was, until the time I dumped it down the sink, I've never been so fucking panicked in my life, man. I was yeah. losing my shit. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, you know, I had great sobriety. Didn't want to use, didn't want to drink, all that. But as soon as I had it in my hand, man, holy shit. It was awful. And it took it me for a good six months after.
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, that's the fucking weird thing about it. That people are going, oh, I, uh, my fucking, you know, my wife doesn't have any problem with it. You don't know what she's fucking dealing with. She might be, obviously, you don't want to change stuff. But, uh... I don't think, you know, once I got sober, any of the people, you know, in my life started, you know, partying in front of me. I mean, obviously, you guys did. But I mean, the people that cared about me.
4: Oh. Cared about you very much. Now,
3: my my family has always been like, you can't, why don't you just have a drink? You know what I'm talking about? You know, my grandmother would always be like, stop it with this fucking quitting stuff. <laughs> You're coming off like a baby. Just have a little drink. It's a little bit. And, um... But for me to like again, if your fucking, if your significant other was doing something, you wouldn't support them in it. You would act like no, you're on your own with this. Um, Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Uh, well, well, well. Look who it is, Maddie Fridays.
5: Gentlemen, how's it going?
3: Long time, Maddie. How's everything?
5: Oh, everything's great. Baby's doing great. Everything's fine. Good. Uh, one to follow up on what Fez was talking about before, about uh, Conan O'Brien and Letterman calling him. There's a great book that just came out by Bill Carter called The War for Late Night. Yeah. It kind of documents everything that happened uh, last year with all this blowing up. And one of the key tenets of the entire book is how phone calls were important between all the hosts about how Letterman would call Conan for to give him some encouragement, or Leno would call Kimmel or something like that. And one thing that really stuck in Conan's craw the entire time is that Leno never called it, and that, like, set him off big time. And it's like a theme throughout the book that all these lines of communications that were going on, and there was never a line of communication between Conan and Jay. And also, going back to the Super Bowl spot, Letterman actually invited Conan to be a part of that Super Bowl spot when they set it up, but Conan said no because, he said, to quote Conan, it's not a fucking joke. Mm. So it's a, it's a really good book to pick it up to get all, like, the more insight to go deeper than the TMZ's tidbits or whatever, because uh, it gives you a whole story about it.
3: Yeah, I definitely want to uh, check it out. Um, all right. All right, cool. Thanks, Matty. No problem. You know, I mean, the whole thing about you saying being above it in office, there's only a few people who know what it's like to have that late-night spot and what knows what it's like to have that pressure. And, uh, you know, Letterman would always call Carson – and check in with him and Letterman, what, what always called Jack Parr, which was, you know, a much older guy. But in the back of his mind, he was like, there's only a few people who know what the fuck I'm going through. And I, I don't even get it. I watched that show and go, what could be easier? And I'm not even making that up. I mean, you got all these pre-planned fucking questions. You got writers. It teams of writers. You're only doing an hour
4: so hard about it really less than an hour it's like fucking you know 40 minutes or whatever It's it something I great. know
3: and yet they act like it's the most difficult thing in the world
4: you got music
3: um here is uh Lance Lance you're on running fez
5: what's going on guys yeah hey, hey Ronnie I recently had lap band surgery it's a gastric surgery what, what do you think is more difficult a food sobriety or a drug and alcohol sobriety
3: well, you know, again, it might be up to each person, but you know, with food, the weird thing is you have to like so it's not like you you're already uh fucking up a little bit every single time that you do it. It's not like when you're you're quitting alcohol or drugs, you can just put them to the side. But with with If you're giving, you know, you're cutting your food, you can't act like, well, I'm just not going to have food anymore. Although I'm working on something right now, a topical cream that will replace food. The vitamins will go straight into your skin.
4: Let's just rub it in. Yeah. What's it called?
3: Rub it in. Right now it's called rub it in banana, rub it in pork chop.
4: It's like a cheeseburger flavor?
3: I'm just going for hamburger because I can't come up with how to rub in cheese yet. What I was thinking about doing is just using the cheese whiz.
6: Sting's talking about his sex life again, saying that he likes to have tawdry sex with his wife and he likes to dress her up. All right, Sting, we get it. You have incredible sex. This couple likes to throw it out to everyone constantly about their incredible sex.
3: Where did they throw it out at? Where would you read
6: this? Um, I think I saw this on IMDb. It was also in the New York Post today, too.
3: Throwing it out there. Stinging his wife, Trudy. Everyone loves that Trudy. I don't know what it is about her. I actually went to a screening that she threw. She was the producer for uh, a film called um, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. And uh, there was all kinds of celebrities there. And they were all falling over Trudy. Wow. They would leap over Sting to get to Trudy. They love her.
4: Was Robert Dianne Jr. there? Yeah, he was. Nice.
3: He was dressed kind of steampunk, if I'm going to be totally honest. Oh, cool. There had to be, we were in a small screening room. There had to be 40 fucking celebrities at this. And it was really weird because I took my brother with me. And uh, he was just happened to be in New York. And I'm like, hey, let's go over to the screening Uh, Earl's hooked it up for us and like it was just us and celebrities that's
4: awesome holy shit
3: it was a a nutty night Um, but we actually go like this thing comes out and starts to like introduce the uh, movie and we're like I hope he doesn't play his fucking lute still trying to act like we're fucking too cool for it even though we weren't it was too cool
4: for us crazy medieval music
6: him and his wife should just put out a porn tape at this point. Hey, that's my brother you're talking about. No, not your brother. I mean Sting and Trudy. Oh, all my stuff is forgotten about. We just leap back to where you ended.
3: Um. Yeah, you know, I don't know much. Uh, you know much about them. They talk about it a lot, huh?
6: They talk about it constantly. When's the last time they did it? They talked about it. Um I maybe like uh last year. I think once a year we get an update on their sex life.
3: Drives you nuts.
6: It's just why put it in people's faces? If they did put out a porn tape, they could call it every breast you take. Or the sex police.
3: The sex police another comment for you. Shannon, you're on the Run a show.
7: Hi. Yeah. So I haven't heard about this new, um, you know, thing with the signs.
6: Oh, with the astrology going back to the old Babylonian calendar.
7: Yeah, so now what's my sign? I'm on the cusp of Virgo and Libra, and I like being a Libra. I'm hoping I'm not getting bumped back to Virgo.
6: No, you would be the one that's later in the year.
7: Oh, because I'm the first day of Libra, so I would say just a, I'd get more Libra.
6: Yeah, I think you I think would be more Libra. I don't have the dates in front of me. I just checked my own sign, and I went from an Aries <laughs> to a Pisces.
3: I'm sorry okay. to hear that, first,
7: Well, okay, the other thing I'm wondering, you know, talking about the sex stuff. So I think we have a lot of sex. I'm married, but he doesn't. So I'm wondering, you know, like, what is a lot of sex? Like every other day? Isn't that a lot?
3: Uh, it's actually up to each person, you know. I don't think that we need a rule of thumb for everyone. You guys go every other day?
7: Well, I mean, it would be every day if, if he had his way. but I mean, I think every other day is fine.
3: But yeah, but why don't you just tell him, find some other people to fuck. You don't have to fuck me every time.
7: <laughs> I think he wants to fuck me every day because he thinks I'm going to find someone else.
3: Are you? Mm-hmm.
7: No, of course not. What it you seems like me? it. It
3: seemed like you were flirting with Fez, like you wanted to have sex with Fez. <laughs> no, not
7: Fezzy. It
3: seemed like you two wanted to go ass to ass together.
7: <laughs> I know, Kurt. I haven't gone there. I, I haven't done that yet. I'm scared of that.
3: Oh, God. So you're really leaving him behind here. He's getting nothing. <clears throat> well,
7: not that. You need I to give up to that little bum hole, honey. You got to give it up for him. him to do it. I told him I'd... I told him I'd go with it for him with some Corona.
3: What you want to do is get him some prostitutes so he can finally relax and enjoy himself. I don't think he'd like that. He just wants me.
7: All right. All right. right.
3: I'm going over my thing. Now, I used to be a Capricorn. Uh Uh-huh. And now I'm looking over this. Now I'm orange. I just skipped right off and I went into colors.
6: Crazy Babylonian. I don't
3: want to do this. I don't want to live this way. It's All right. Bye-bye, Bonho.
6: That was all I had.
3: Did you like it, though? A little bit. I thought it rocked. My favorite thing was Dumper or Dumpy, I think, if I had to look back over it.
4: Oh, Sting was pretty good.
3: Um, who do you like better, though? Clint Howard or uh, Johnny Weir?
4: I think I like Clint Howard better.
3: The weirdest thing is this. Clint Howard is a better fucking skater than Johnny Weir.
4: I never knew that.
3: You know what really Clint Howard is best at? What's that? Being a brother.
4: Yeah, yeah, just knowing Ron.
3: Sometimes they fucking look at my brother and go like this. Why can't you be Ron Howard? And then I'd have a nice fucking resume.
4: Fuck yeah. Dozens of pages long.
3: Now, if you if you were in that kind of position, would you put your family members in um, into the movie?
4: I don't think I would.
6: I'd say fuck them. How about you, Fez? Um, yeah, I think I would.
3: That'd have to be some fucking movie with Quirky in it.
6: He would probably just be an uh, uh uh credited as loud extra. You gotta give him some. Some I, I don't there. think I would give him anything meaty. Why not? You
3: mean your penis? Ugh.
6: No, I meant a roll.
3: Yeah, your penis.
6: A movie roll.
3: I thought you meant pork roll. Oh, yeah. Sometimes Fez likes to call his dick pork roll.
6: Jesus, Fez.
3: Fez, you ever think about fucking just tying a bell around the end of your dick?
6: No, I never thought of that. Why would I?
3: So we know where you are.
6: No, that thought's never occurred to me.
3: Well, so you don't get lost walking home. It's a good look. Who are, who do you think was uh, more attractive, Clint Howard
6: or Johnny Weir? I'm gonna say Johnny Weir was more attractive. That's gay. Oh yeah. Johnny
3: Weir actually looked like a baby, like an infant.
6: Yeah, he, he
4: had a hat on. I was I was expecting more crazier hair.
3: I know. Honest. I expect he's not he's not all that flamboyant. Shucks. And would you have even recognized him if he was on the street? No. I don't think so either. -uh. No way. He's a nice kid, though. Oh,
4: he's the best, Johnny Weir.
3: I like everybody from Delaware.
4: Great accent.
3: It is. Honey. Hon, are you going to Newark? All right. They said the ice is frozen. So get a Coke. Get some ice. Go up in the house. Mix it with water. When that ice isn't frozen, it's going to be water, so you better get out there. That's my boy Johnny. He skates on the frozen ice. It's all frozen. Oh, geez, honey. He stepped on a toad. You better hit the road, pal. I don't want any part of this.
4: I wish he had the accent. The accent was deeper with him. Disappoints me.
3: I know, because he's too fucking busy licking fucking ice.
4: I don't know why anybody wanna, would,
3: you know, once you already got your bulk and you're big in Japan, why not just go out and fucking rock it? Why do you want to go back and start skating
4: again? It's, just, it's
3: like he doesn't know how to act without skating.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure it's been his, his entire life, so I'm sure he feels empty without it or something. Come on, Johnny. There's other things in life other than skating and training constantly.
3: Johnny, be good. What are you doing over there in Jersey watching the fucking channel fucking
4: scroll? Yeah, really, that was kind of disturbing. Mm. Well, actually, episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm are on that channel now. I can't stand
3: to watch when they put Curb and Entourage with commercials and... No, thanks. I'm even having trouble with the IFC and the Larry Sanders stuff.
4: Yeah. At least it's the, all the cursing and stuff still there and they're not really editing and just adding commercials, but it's not the same.
3: Feels like it takes too long to watch an episode. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, really. I need
3: my episodes to go by for quick.
4: Twenty-two minutes. Come on, no need for commercials.
3: Sunday night, I'm going to watch uh, Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais. I think it's going to be off the hook. I'm hearing things that it's going to be off the hook.
4: I think he's going to take it to the house. Oh, what? Well, last year uh, they someone cut it up immediately the day after. He was only on air for like eight minutes or something. Like it's a tiny amount of time the host is actually talking. So. No,
3: yeah, the host is barely on that show.
4: Even
3: and the other thing is there's too fucking tight of a ceiling. You can't have a good TV when you have a tight ceiling. You need that wide open spaces. It looks tacky. It's a tacky looking show.
4: It's shit. They're always like, oh, they're going to get drunk. Cause they serve drinks. Whatever.
3: So what? Like, I really want to fucking see the the cast of Black Swan all fucked up. That, woman's, that little girl's pregnant now.
4: I know. Came out of nowhere. You know
3: who's the father of that baby? No, who? Johnny Weir. What? Yeah.
4: Did he like, was it like insemination or like sex?
3: What do you think? He can't put his fucking penis in something?
4: I guess he's pretends then or something?
3: I remember when I first started to know I was straight, what a shock it was to me. What? Even as a little boy, I know I was straight. It's weird.
4: That is strange. How'd you deal with it?
3: I just dealt. I just went off the hook, really. If I had to say anything, I
4: was I was
3: completely off the hook. I was off the chain, even. Forget the fucking hook. I was off no. the whole fucking chain. That's crazy. Crazy with a fucking K. That's how I spell crazy and cool with a fucking K. Now I want to start using a backwards K. I like to get yeah. some kind of a fucking keyboard, by the way, with... With a backwards K, that had a backwards K on it, so people know I wasn't fucking around.
4: I think we can get that for you. When?
3: Do 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 do, do 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 you know Spencer's doing all the work down there in book in, uh booking now?
4: He's gangbusters, He's all over it, busting his ass every day.
3: <clears throat> How did Zito make out on his uh, little hunt today?
4: Still out hunting. Really? Yeah.
3: That's weird. Tell Zito to go to com and see if uh, he can't get uh, Johnny Weird to be a Twitter follower to him.
4: Okay. They could probably get along well.
3: I know they would. Quarryville PA. I never even fucking heard of it.
4: The fuck, Johnny?
3: Do 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 do. He didn't even start fucking skating till he was eleven. <laughs> I fucking skated before him, and I stink. <laughs> well, I'm actually, you know, here's one of the things. I was always in too much a hurry to really tie my skates fucking nice and tight. I just be like, I'll just tie it a little bit. I don't want to fucking sit around I'm trying to get out on the ice. Hey, really. Comfortable. And plus, instead of really trying to skate, I spent more time trying to knock my friends down. It's not so much, like, I think I was probably the best skater in my block, but only because I didn't let others learn at all. I was too quickly pulling them down.
4: It's more fun that way.
3: Well, Big Cat, we're going to take a break here. You want to throw out the break?
6: Okay. We'll be right back with the Ron and Fez show after the jump.
0: W. Ron and Ed. Sirius 197, XM202. The virus.
2: Everything is different, but the same. Things are more modern than before. Bigger, and yet smaller.
3: It's computers.
2: Sandy is high school,
3: Holly came from Miami, FLA. Take walk on the wild side. And the colored girls go... Do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do,
2: do-do-do,
3: do-do-do, do do show. On the first day of the dual millennium... I asked our friend Mark Zito to stop by here. Um... You're caught up in a scandal, and I wanted to get the thing from Hicks, whether or not he thought it was an odd behavior or perfectly acceptable in terms of the world of Twitter. From what I understand from quite a few uh, listeners yesterday, Mark Zito puts the name Mark Zito into the Twitter search Mm -hmm. and then attacks the people who either brought him up or don't like him. But this isn't people who wrote to at Mark Zito. It was just people who wrote about Mark Zito. Like the people who go, I don't whatever. Uh, (laughs) What is that
12: about? I wasn't attacking anyone. I was just asking them to f- further explain their opinions. I uh, And, yeah, I was Googling myself because somebody told me to look for something else, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what showed up. And, yes, I, I Googled my own name, and I said, I wonder where these people come from. I should find out.
3: I-, I think that's a bizarre thing to do.
12: That's a little weird. Yeah.
3: That's a very bizarre thing to do.
12: I was, uh, I... I, I just you know, I thought maybe we could open a dialogue and uh, everything would be fine no, as opposed didn't. to them as opposed to them hating me. Well, I thought maybe I could turn them somehow. I don't So if anyone writes Mark Zito is a dick, that bothers you. Well, I mean it doesn't make me pumped. I'm not not happy about it, no.
3: You gotta go with the, the way Johnny Weir is, where whatever you say about me there's nothing to do you have to put the define the Johnny Weirness in you, whether you know that you're more dedicated, you're stronger and you're hotter. But right now you've got the Mark Zito where you're just like paranoid and small-minded about it. And you're – I don't know what you're doing with your hair either. <laughs> I was wearing a hat all day. It just looks like – it's seriously you, – you remind me of like one of the Abu uh, Ghraib guys that can't be trusted. That you're like, why would they do this? Why are they putting bags on people's heads? I uh, don't know. So – You will just go out and put Mark Zeno, and then see what people write about you.
12: Yeah, I was curious. Yeah, I know it's it's not the uh, it's not the most awesome thing to do, but I I think a lot of people Google themselves, uh, check that stuff out, and I'm I'm admitting that I did do it, and I saw these people that were like, oh, he's terrible, and I just was like, why? I wanted to know why.
3: Why don't you just ask us why you're terrible? We would tell you. Oh, we're your friends. We understand why you're bad, but the. The listeners don't, it's not so much that they don't like you, but they have this thing about wanting to be entertained. Yeah. So when that doesn't happen, they're going to write, what the fuck is Mark Zito doing? But look at Chris Stanley. Chris, do you ever go back and see what people's problems with you are?
4: Uh, Fuck it. I don't care. I Googled myself once, and then it came up some guy owned, some folk singer named Chris Stanley owned, uh, (laughs) ChrisStanley.com. I pretty much gave up after that.
3: First of all, you are the folk z- singer and you've just <laughs> forgot that you sometimes uh do your own material.
4: Yeah, I was really disappointed and I was like, up, oh, there's no point in ever doing this again.
3: Now, fez, you will go out of your way uh not to to see what people write about you.
6: Yeah, I'm not, I'm gonna be a, a total opposite of Zito and not type in my name, looking to search for anything that's out there. Why is that? Because I don't want to see something that's bad about me. I can feel bad about myself enough by myself. So I don't need I don't need to go looking for anything.
3: So you don't even look at anything online where your name could pop up.
6: Right. I try to avoid it.
3: Um, all right, let's just see. Um, let's just see what some of the people w- are writing now. And I'm just going to check it myself. Uh, Mark Zito stinks on air. Oh. Hmm. oh, great. Mark Zito, what a dick. Oh, no. Idiot Mark Zito has done that from the very beginning. Why is that John Mayer loving moron on the air? That's pretty mean. Um, Mark Zito was a dick. Maybe these will turn better. I don't know. But that's where we are right now.
12: I'm going to go out on a limb. Look, if you tweet
3: about Mark Zito,
12: he will know
3: about it. So you've been doing this for a while? You've been going
12: out and checking on people? Yeah. Well, I check. I check. Uh, I like to know what's going on with people who are thinking about me, mainly because yeah. I used to get really, really bothered by it. So now I try and seek it out so I can be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. And then sometimes even nope. try and engage the people. When, then, did it,
3: when did it used to
12: bother you? Um, when I was, when I was an intern at SiriusXM, when I first mm. started working here, at first everyone was like, oh, what the fuck is this? And then I found that, you know, over time they, they kind of, uh, came around and everything was cool, but it used to be like, oh, why don't they? And I was really concerned and then I found that I just had to go around, go about doing what yeah. I was doing. So now I see nobody likes
3: from- anybody right from the beginning. It mm. happens like even when he said Dave was here, I used to get, and I would think, oh God, Dave was so funny today. And then people were right. Please get Dave off the show, please. Um, let me see this. Here's one in. Mark Zito just wanted to say, fuck you, fuck stick. Huh. All right, some of these people actually, I mean, it goes beyond the not liking you at first, and they, they're they just never going to like you now. That's fine.
12: I. Uh, but I, I, I was thinking maybe the, the reason I had responded to some people was because I thought, No,
3: that's a, that's up. that's wrong. You didn't respond to them you went and wrote to them even when they didn't write to you first. Now, if somebody wrote to you at Mark Zito, then you respond. But if two people are having a conversation saying Mark Zito is a dick and it it is not at Mark Zito, it's almost crazy to then contact them and be like, what's your Mark Zito thing? Now, if somebody emailed you or tweeted to your account, yes, I think – you respond if you want to. Mm-hmm. But when they're just talking
12: amongst themselves. Well, my, my thinking was like I, I've seen because in the past when people have said kind of things about me that were negative and sort of funny, I would retweet them. And I noticed that when that would happen, a lot of people would delete their tweets like, oh, he actually saw this. This is not what I wanted to have happen. And so I thought, you know, they like a lot of people get tough and strong on the, on the Internet. And I just it would be like, oh, well, tell me. Tell me what's up. Don't just like tweet I, out into the general sphere. I, what's going on? Let's
3: just go through some of these uh, and see how you would confront here. Okay. Okay. I'll just let you know, and I, I won't. You know, obviously, this is just in the Twitter universe. Um, Mark Zito wants to give Fez a rusty trombone. Um,
12: I don't. I don't want to do that. That's probably what I would say. You just say I don't
3: want to do that. I
12: just well, I find it. I think it's just fun to play it straight. How about this?
3: "Eh." Zito makes Steve Tyson look like Jeremy Piven.
12: Okay, I I don't know where that's coming from. This person doesn't know anything about me. I would just say, you know, I think they got you down because
3: you really do make Tyson look like Jeremy Piven. Here's one. Zito makes me feel like we're all hanging with a narc. You do seem like a narc. Okay, and um. We also know that you're, you're an information spreader. Mm-hmm. Um, who Mark Zito and who gives a fuck? How would you answer that one? I'd be like, I'm Mark Zito.
12: I would just take my account and I'd be like, I'm Mark Zito. Right. And then he would know. Here's one. Mark
3: Zito ma- needs to make friends with the front of a Buick. Oh,
12: that's not nice. This one I do understand, oh, though. They, the day when they used my, my account there, so I could I could actually respond to yeah, that Yeah, you one can respond okay. to that
3: one. Uh, I think Mark Zito sounds a little fruity on the air. Uh-huh. And you can't beat that. But it seems like some of these are starting to turn in your favor. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs>
12: yeah. I get that. I uh, I see them. They're, they're really coming around. Here's is...
3: one that just says simply, Zito should bow when he comes into Ron Bennington's presence. He should cup his balls. Um,
6: I'm not sure whose balls they mean there. Here's
3: one. Uh, Mark Zito is just like the Draft House kid, but with too much confidence and no personality. Oh, I'm sorry. He feels that way. Mark Zito, when are you going to tell us your secret?
12: I don't have a secret. Mark Zito, more like Mark Zero. Oh, shit. That person got me. Who sent that one? Uh, that's DJ KB. Oh, Jesus. So some of these people... Do you think you'll be contacting them later? No. No, probably not. I, uh... I'd never done that before yesterday, mm. and I just was like, no, so I wonder what they'll say. And no one really responded that much, so it was just like, oh, all right. So, no, I probably won't. I uh, I, I would love to if people if people want to tweet at me. You know, I'll, I'll respond. I, well, I would way. say that here's
3: one that says, please never compare Mark Zito to Eastside Dave. He'll never be in Dave's league. If I'm going to be honest here, he's probably a little better than Dave. Wouldn't you say, Hicks?
4: I don't know if that's –
3: why are you going to be so negative to the guy?
4: Sorry about that, Zito.
3: It's okay. What about if you just say to people, no matter what you think of Dave, Mark Zito's better. And that way they'll relax with it. They'll then have the confidence to adopt him as one of their own. Now, Fez, you say you like to stay off air so you give Mark Zito more time.
6: Well, no, that's not why. I just tend to freeze up.
3: Oh, so instead of going with a bit here, we're back to the honesty thing. I was trying to lay up the thing of why people pick on uh, Zito. Um, here's one that says, for all the haters, Mark Zito isn't a jerk or an ass. He's obviously more than a douche. Uh, Mark Zito is ear cancer. Oh. Uh, get rid of Zito and bring back the kid. Mark, drink Fezzi's cum.
12: I I don't know, I don't understand what that would solve. I don't I don't really understand. I think well, these people are these people are just there's so there's trying to be mean now, which is fine. Six and stones what? will break my bones, but words words will will actually they'll hurt as well at a certain point. Well, it's names, I don't
3: know about the words, but uh here's uh, Tate. You're a Tate
12: Hey
5: guys, uh I find this guy to be so astoundingly unlikable, it's actually kind of amazing. Uh, but he says that nobody would like to confront him, so I would just like to state for the record that you
12: are an
3: extremely annoying. Why do you person. think you're likable and people don't get it, Zito?
12: Uh, actually, I don't know. I've I've learned over time that I'm initially not likable, and then they come around for some reason. All my best friends hated me first. It's, it's very bizarre. I've never really been able to truly figure did, it out. Did any of the people
3: hate you first and then... Continue to hate you? Yeah, that's happened sometimes. Can I get their numbers? <laughs> yeah. That's the people I want to hang out with. Uh, why Why? Why can't you just try and come well, around? Now like, that Tate uh, confronted you, are you okay with it?
12: Yes. Uh, I just say, Tate, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. Let's
3: get to know Mark Zito a little bit. What's something you would like to talk about today on the air? Mark, I'm going to let you uh, do one of Fezzy's prep bits.
12: Well, I saw this crazy ad mm-hmm. for American Apparel. Yeah. And uh, they're, they, they're showing, like, pubic hair in ads now, mm-hmm. and it just seems like, when did advertisements, like, I'm I'm kind of okay with this, it's fine, but people used to freak out back when, like, um, Abercrombie & Fitch would release a calendar, not a calendar, uh, um, a catalog that had, like, people kissing. They were like, this is like porn, and this thing is looking like actual porn.
3: Well, she's wearing her underwear, and um, she's just not shaved down. But the point is this. Where, where did this ad run?
12: This ad, um, it's it was, uh, I believe, in, in a magazine. It was in Purple Magazine. and um, Okay. So this will let you know why they run this. They
3: couldn't have picked. Uh, first of all, I never heard of Purple Magazine. So they bought a cheap ad. They did some shock jockey thing, mm-hmm. and now people are talking about them. So, I mean, you, that's all that, that they're trying to do. And if they had to cut off a fucking head of a baby and put it in there, if they thought people would talk about it, they would do it. That's just fucking Madison Avenue. They don't give a shit. It's so hard to get noticed these days.
12: But I I just didn't know, like, is is pubic hair still a uh, taboo? Is this, would you you be bothered if this was in, like, the New York Times or something like that? I I just, I see this, and I was initially like, oh, that's weird. And then I was like, it's not that big of a deal, I don't think. And I didn't really understand why anyone was freaking out about it. I
4: think pubic hair is still taboo. Care
12: yeah, me I mean, you're not going to see pubic hair in the New York Times. And
4: they use porn stars in their ads, American Apparel. They've been pretty dirty for a while. Well, that's their gimmick,
3: right? I mean, it's yeah. and they do the thing of extra young. Like, oh, that yeah. girl is like a barely legal. Mm-hmm. And barely legal seems to be their gimmick.
4: A lot of camel toes, and there's bare tits in some of it. Yeah. Very hot. But again, it's,
3: you know, it's anything that you... Uh, Anything that you feel will get people talking about you, you'll do now. All right, let's see some of these things, see if they're turning around on you, because I (laughs) love that bit that you brought up, and I think they're going to appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Mark Zito seems like he would rub his ass against a man's crotch on a crowded train. Um, Mark Zito, bring Johnny Weir back, at least he's a talented fag. That's very nice, because he is talented. Uh, Mark Zito is like Eastside Dave without a lisp. Uh, I'd rather eat Fezzi's jar of toenails than hear this
12: anus booger. Anus is kind of funny.
3: Uh, Mark Zito makes Scotty Dohati likable. Mark Zito makes Liam seem interesting. Good news, Liam. They're, they're coming around your way. Oh, Limo. Uh, Time goes says, I tweet something about Mark Zito, but I don't want to give him the attention he seems to crave. Now, I will tell you this. Mark Zito has been helping me out with Unmasked. You're getting more and more involved with the Unmasked bookings. Yes. Are you as unlikable to agents and managers and celebrities as you are to listeners?
12: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that I I present them uh, something that they, they would like their client to do, and, and it's kind of like the discussion we had last Friday. There's, uh, you know, it's happy, it's cool, you fake it till you make it, and they're... they're um, in a really good mood and i talked to them and i think they're used to dealing with so much bullshit that they they like people that are in good moods
3: so you will fake it Uh, oh you got mad because fez you called him fake yeah
6: yeah i said i said he was fake and you are an honest
3: person you like to be up front like when i asked you like we were all teasing zito you're like ron no i'd run. to just admit the truth sometimes i freeze up you don't like fakeness in a person
6: Um, I just, I think that's what makes a person, that can make a person unlikable. If we're looking for the seed of unlikability here with Mark Zito. Can I disagree on one little
3: point here? I really like fakeness in a prostitute. I want a prostitute to fake orgasms and also say, ouch, that hurts. Careful, careful, it's too big. That kind of fakeness could be very well uh, appreciated.
12: I, I, well, also, Fez, let's say somebody was completely honest and they were just like, I fucking hate you, that wouldn't make you like them, right? Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I think Fez hates your guts. I think there's, there's a, there's a dislike there. That's yeah. Under the surface, and and it and it's tried to be covered up by saying, oh, I just think he's a little fake, that's why I don't like right, him. not a little, a lot. <laughs> okay, a lot, excuse me, a lot fake, that's why I don't like him, but I think it's, I think it's just strong dislike. But the thing is, I don't know what I did to Fez besides be nice. It's almost like he wanted me to be mean so he could be like, that's a real person, but then I would just be a guy that was mean to you for no reason. All
3: right, let me go over here. This is Crisco, who I have always thought of Crisco 30 as being one of the real genuine people. And she writes, I really cannot stand Mark Zito. He is simply a smug prick. Now, I'm sure that you don't want to uh, be seen that way. No. does it? And I'm telling you, like, she's not one of the, you know, just yeah, yeah, cruel yeah. for yeah. cruel purposes, but you come off that way. Now, this is one that somebody does like you. I nominate Mark Zito for a surety Award, which is great, in the category homo fag face. Yeah. Oh. One of the worst things a man can be called. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle, you're on run Fez.
5: Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Fez, just say the word and stick the Watley Posse on Zito if he's giving you trouble, man. We we got your back.
3: There's still Watley Posse? Give us another topic to bring up, Zito, so people can warm up to you a little bit. They get to like you even more than they do now. Because I think I can kind of feel it turning around. <laughs> Not with Fez, but
6: maybe with the listeners. Maybe, maybe. Just flat out, you don't ever see yourself liking them, Fez? No. What I just, would you have to do? I, there would have to be a, like a personality transplant.
12: Oh. Wow. Well, that's easy. I'll just, I'll just do that.
6: Fez.
3: What have I? What have I done though that's made you dislike? He really me? hasn't done anything to you, has he? No,
6: no, absolutely not. I'll admit that. <coughs> I mean, if like if he had, you know, if he was stealing from me or something, I could understand it. But there's something there, and I believe it's the fakeness. Okay.
12: But it, I still back to that. Like if if you're recognizing the fakeness, not fake anymore. Like I'm not. I'm not fake to you anymore because you've you've called me on it and you just get my real reactions on things. Which are which are actually I don't know if you noticed pretty similar to the reactions I was giving you before because I never really thought I was being that fake to you.
3: You but you do think yourself as somewhat fake?
12: At to certain people, oh yeah, uh, but you have to be.
3: Why did you cut your hair like that?
12: I just wanted to change. I was walking. I was thinking about it for a couple of days, and I was like, I'm going to do it because I feel like it. Now you cut it with a grapefruit spoon? No, no. I I went to a guy, and he just shaved it off.
3: You look like a Mercury astronaut right now. Uh, you really look like Gus Grissom. Oh. Uh, All right, give us a little like, a little topic and maybe people warm up to
12: you. Well, you know, maybe this comes back to, to kind of what we're talking about. Uh, college students, there's mm-hmm. this big report out. The college students, they crave self-esteem, apparently, above money and sex. And I don't really know how I feel about this because I think an argument can be made pretty much either way. Because in college, I pretty much wanted to have sex above everything else. And then I also really want to have money. But if you have money and somebody's calling you a piece of shit all the time, or tweeting a bunch of mean shit at you, you know that that doesn't feel good either. So it becomes what is worth the most, I guess, is self-esteem. Money. Do you have sex. self-esteem? I do. I think that you crave self-esteem, but the fact that
3: you that somebody could say something about you and it kind of knocks you off course. Keeps that from being real self esteem.
12: Well, it doesn't really like like responding to those Twitter people wasn't knocking me off course. I was just like let's see let's see how big they are now. If I ask them directly what their problems are, no one really no one really answered my questions that I asked them. Yeah, yesterday. because they they don't give it as much thought as you have. Well, I don't think that's a self esteem issue. I think that's uh, see if that it is...
6: comes off a little fake to me that answer because I don't think you were trying to test people's toughness. I think you were honestly hurt by them.
12: No, I just, I mean, re- realistically, what I wanted to say to them was like, fuck you guys. I, I don't, wh- who do you, like, you're making a rash decision, and that's fine. Maybe I'm doing the same by judging them by their tweet, but I didn't want to engage in but, an argument. Because just so you know that, that's the exact
3: opposite of self Esteem. If you have self-esteem, you don't let them pull you off your game and have you go back yell "fuck you." You just move on and keep doing your oh, thing. But I
12: don't know if, if for me though, saying "fuck you" to somebody isn't pulling me off my game. It's it's entrenching myself in my game because I'm I know what who I am and what I do. So if these people want to talk to them, they're like "fuck you guys," that's that's not right. And I just then go but on. But they're not even talking to you.
3: These yeah. were people that were talking. About you. That's true. So the whole thing of you showing up and saying "fuck you guys," I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's not a that's not a matter of self esteem. <laughs> that's still like lacking self esteem. Ah. Uh, Eight um, six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Jay, you're on the run of fez show.
5: Hey Ronnie, how are you? Yeah. I just want to say I think the reason why pe- people don't like Mark Zito is this conversation. Uh, it everything he does is kind of self serving. And it has to always come back to him and his opinions. And he has to make sure that people like those opinions. And that's why he cared so much about that Twitter thing.
3: Yeah, that's what's kept, um, because I wanted to bring him in to do his stuff with Unmask. And Fez won't take his thumb off the producing things. And one of the main reasons is you don't trust him, Fez. You think that he would put himself above the show. Yeah,
6: yeah. Then I think it would be a Mark Zito vehicle instead of the Unmask vehicle. Gotcha. How would that's th- why I like to do uh, you know some oversight.
12: How would that happen? Would I like book myself on Unmasked? or what, what? What? What would I do to make it? Oh, a Mark Zito? I, ca- I can't do
3: an hour with you. That I, would be a nightmare.
12: I know. I know. But what, what would I do to like? I don't. Know, it's, it's a show that's hosted by somebody else, and I try and get guests for that show. I don't understand how it becomes a Mark Zito promotional tool. Anthony, you're on the run of Fez show.
5: Yeah. Hey, Ron.
11: The fact that the reason why Fez doesn't
5: like Mark Zito is because Fez doesn't like anybody getting close to you. And when he when they do, he just tries to push him out of the way. And if he realizes if he steps up, you won't have to call Mark Zito into the studio. He would probably like him better because he doesn't seem like a bad guy until he talks.
3: Faz, oh. so, are you worried about
6: him getting too close with me? Um, I don't think so. I think there's such an unlikability and fakeness factor there that I think I don't think that would happen. Mm. Hicks, are you worried about that?
4: No, not at all.
3: I just want you to take it easy, buddy. I just want you to relax.
4: Rocking and rolling, Ronnie.
3: But I don't want you to rock and roll. We're doing talk radio. Now, someday if I if I get my dream job, which is the 60s on six, then we'll be rocking and rolling. 24 hours. Um, Joe, you're on Renifaz.
5: How how we doing today, buddies? Uh Quick question for Mr. Zito. Do you ever plan on going through puberty or talking like an effeminate little bitch the rest of
12: your life? Uh, yeah, I have kind of a high voice. Uh, there's really nothing I can do about that, so...
3: Do uh, you drink whiskey and smoke cigars? All right, uh, here's one that just says... This. this is from Bill. It says, if Mark Zito had self-esteem, he wouldn't be searching online for negative comics uh, comments about him. Um... That's kind of that was kind of my point with you earlier too, yeah, that if you really do have self esteem you don't go out and look for that kind of stuff.
12: I was just looking at it yesterday as honestly probably being kind of vain. I was just curious what was up, which again is the exact opposite of self esteem I don't see it that way, I mean that's i I just um I I think that's just a curiosity thing versus... But vanity does not
3: play into self-esteem because vanity already means that you're blowing things out of proportion Mm -hmm. or trying to play yourself up. You can't be vain and have your fucking feet on the ground. And I think basically when we're talking about self-esteem, it's like a really good version of yourself without being vain or without being low on yourself. Maybe what you ought to do is walk a mile on Fez's shoes. And by that, I honestly want Fez to take your shoes off and you stick your feet in those soggy, sweat-fucking-laden sneakers and walk around in it.
6: They're a little juicy right now.
3: God, just thinking about that, the squishiness of that.
12: I don't think I'd want to do that. I, I, I mean, my shoes... My shoes fit fine. So you don't like Fez at all, either? You wouldn't even put not the shoes Not anymore. Not really anymore. I'm kind of getting like this vibe where he's he's just saying, you know... At first, did you like him? Yeah, because I had no reason not to. But then he comes in and says, well, Mark Zito hasn't done anything to me, but I've decided I don't like him. So it's like, oh, okay. I, I, it's not worth my time to, to repair that at a certain point, because he seems really entrenched in it. You should see his Twitter page.
3: <laughs> it's just filled with mean stuff.
6: It's all anti-Zito. No,
3: now, I wish I could spend all my time with you two guys, but something's been bothering Hicks crazy today. And I mean, you've been out of your mind. You said half today, Hicks, and you tried to keep
4: it inside. Yeah, now it's just fucking got to come out. Thank you for giving me this time.
3: Sure, you're welcome, buddy. What is it?
4: Well, um, as I said before on the show, that I used to go to SUNY Purchase here in New York. I always thought that was SUNY Purchase. SUNY? Oh. And now that,
3: that- could be your porn name if you want it to be. You had a man or anything, Fuz? I got a strut. Was making out with Johnny Weir earlier, and I don't know whether Wait, he had been chewing tobacco or what's going on with him. <laughs> what's with the strip? I don't even get that. It takes away all the fun of a mint. You just you're not getting anything extra
6: out of it. It's weird. Those Why strips.
3: do you like those strips?
6: They're stronger, and I feel I need something stronger. They what? burn. Cock breath. Something bad in there. It
3: reminds me of bladder acid too much. Why not?
6: Mm-hmm. Just and,
3: drop. Never knows like when you would drop acid. The first thing would think of. What if I shouldn't have done that?
4: <laughs> yeah, that, that might come up. I made a mistake. <laughs> to get that out of your head, real quick.
3: I got 14 hours. Of fucking deal with this.
4: <laughs> it's Scary sometimes.
3: So anyway, what are you saying about Sunny Purchase?
4: Sunni Purchase. It's uh, I had a classmate there by the name of Dan Deacon. Oh, the rock star Dan Deacon. He's pretty. He's blown up. I don't mm-hmm. know how this has happened, but fucking hipsters love him, and he's got. He's gotten really, really big in the last couple of years. He's become uh, very, very, very popular, very hip to like Dan Deacon. Uh, I saw an article that he's now doing the fucking soundtrack for Francis Ford Coppola's next film. Uh, the, the, it's called Uh Twix Now and Sunrise. This guy's blown the fuck up, and that doesn't make any sense. Since I, I purchased, when I went there, before I was kicked out, unceremoniously. Uh, would you rather have
3: a ceremony? Branded... Dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> more appreciated. All but one man died. at bitter creek. So you're now jealous of Dan Deacon. I'm a little jealous of Dan Deacon. I wish that Chris Stanley was doing the new Francis Ford Co. I'd love
4: it. I can't I can't believe the guy's come from that fucking school to now working for Francis Ford Co. Well, right. if
3: if you would like everyone not to hear him. Have him score a Francis Ford Coppola movie.
4: Because <laughs> this isn't 1974. Yeah, but still, very prestigious to work for Mr. Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, it is. Who knows if we'll see this movie? But I, I'm just. I, he's still I doing
3: this. shows in Brooklyn, though. Is he big around the country?
4: Um, I think he's like a East Coast thing, hipster thing. Uh, he's toured all over the country, but he's you just around here.
3: Well, no, here. Is, is he like a DJ
4: and like a. It's, electronic. It's, it's all electronic fucking stuff. Um, it's all. It's very strange. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I could play a little bit of a taste of some of his stuff. Why didn't like, you
3: play up to him when you were in school with him?
4: I don't know. I had. That's where you fucked up.
3: <laughs> you should have been on the Deacon train. I you know what? You got the Deacon Blues right now, my friend. A little bit. All right, let's hear a little bit of Dan Deacon's rock. Um, this is from his. New album, Appetite for Destruction is the name of it.
6: Sooner than later. A piece called Woody Woodpecker.
4: Oh, good.
3: that it's Woody Woodpecker is the perfect title. He sounds like a, a Moby deal.
4: A little bit, but more not as controlled as Moby. He's all over the place. He's
3: less controlled than Moby. I right, play something else besides Woody Woodpecker.
4: This is Wham City. I don't know.
3: I like the title. crazy or would this have been perfect in The Godfather? <laughs> I guess in the restaurant scene, sure. I wonder why how uh, Capone even found out about him.
4: I don't know. He's huge online. Maybe Sophia put him onto it. Sophia? Sophia? I just called Sophia. <laughs> I don't know. For Because like, she's a fucking couch. <laughs> I don't understand.
3: This. All right, let me go back and read some more nice things about Zito. Uh, Zito is a Zito, on oh, my asshole. Obviously, he's an astronaut. I think of Hicks as the anti-Zito because Hicks is great and likable. Oh, now does that surprise you that they like Hicks so much?
12: No, it doesn't. Why? Because uh, he's he's here every day. He's he's a good member of the show. They've gotten used to Hicks. No,
3: even before. I mean, from day one. No one's ever said a bad thing about Chris Stanley.
12: Oh, no. I, I believe that, too. Hicks and I, I see him in the halls. I, I like him, too. So mm. I can understand why people at home would like him. Um, do you think you can be more
3: like Chris Stanley? Can you find some of that likability in yourself?
12: <laughs> I uh, I think me trying to be more like Chris Stanley would be being faker than ever, because that's not who I am. Mm. I would say,
3: You grimace. I notice your face, you're just... It's almost like you want to scream. Um... This one says, Mark Zito wishes he was a tenth of Chris Stanley. Pops rules.
4: Oh, old school Pops.
3: I forgot. Yeah, we were calling him the Pops for a little while. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know why we did that.
6: They said I looked like a Pops.
3: Really? I, I yeah. did?
4: Yeah.
6: I know you lock up when we're done. Sometimes. Like from nervousness?
3: <laughs> um... I hear someone just said Dan Deacon topic on discussion on two or two friends run a Fed show, worlds collide. Yeah, uh, Dan Deacon drinking out of cups. Not me. No way. Never. I don't even know what that means. to you, pops?
4: That's a YouTube video he uh, had. Is it rocking? It, it was. Um, it got. It went viral. As the kids say.
3: Uh, the, the kids really liked the dance. This, he's a steely Dan to them All right, let me hear a little more let me hear some of what she was talking about bring it up
10: damn asshole what the fuck is he doing not ever no way now he's Johnny Hammersticks I'm running away like he's freaking Tommy Noble what the hell is he doing I think she's Think she's got it going
3: bossing
4: over? No way, <laughs> no way. Now
3: what, what is, is this? God. He just takes people's stuff and turns it into a song?
4: That's him. That's he's just doing stream of consciousness weirdness, oh, talking into a microphone and
3: acting like he's a lizard.
4: Yeah, watch. someone animated it. Yeah.
3: Um. All right, let me go back and check some of the tweets. Fuck Mark Zito. Hicks is humble and honest. Since Dan Deacon is so huge, I'm thinking of RBI. Get pepper on that. Oh, you should.
4: I, I will do it for RBI. Would he remember you? Oh, I didn't. No, he won't remember me.
3: You was just one of the faces there in the pit, just fucking looking up at him, admiring him.
4: Well, no. Well, his gimmick is he plays in the crowd too. That's what people love about him too. He doesn't get on stage.
3: He never gets on stage. There's no stage. It's somebody in the crowd.
4: It's just him in the crowd. I think there's there's YouTube videos. But then
3: it. I would go and fucking sit on stage and <laughs> say if no one else is gonna use this area. I like to spread spread my shit out a little bit.
4: Come on, man. Yeah, there,
3: are. They're. Oh, there they are. They're rocking out to them. This is where the music comes up. The kids love them. They fucking
4: lose their shit.
3: Doesn't look like anybody over fourteen though. At the show. <laughs> and that's Dan right there. Yeah, right
4: there. Balding. Balding. Blessed.
3: The kids are mad for him. You're the same age as Tim Hicks? He's
4: got a couple years on me.
3: I'll say this, you both look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that SUNY Purchase experience was like. It drains you, Ron. <laughs> yes. But it fucking ages you quick. Very drab atmosphere. Man what am I missing That these kids are going Fucking
4: mad Yeah they are losing it
3: I'd love to play them A Cars album This <laughs> is what they enjoy <laughs> Alright um Let me see if People are liking you Any better Okay Mark Zito is a waste of skin Mark Zito More like Fag Faggerson That's good That's a fucking good Comeback though Some of these people Are so witty when they get on something like that. I mean, it's like you say fag, but then you add faggerson to it. Can't beat him. Oh, yeah, pass the check around. Grab a little ass for yourself if she's crowd surfacing. Poke or crotch? Sure. Who's to stop you?
4: There's no barriers around him. Yeah, he should get on stage this is dangerous Dan and then everybody had to cancel a bunch of shows cause see how he's like performing there where he's hunched over like his, yeah. his like, back went out so he had to get like a bunch of surgery but
12: right off the bat we can't see you in the back cause he's being shoved against the piano or whatever he's playing I was turned to whatever that is uh I
3: have people writing uh, the kids on mar- tripping on mushrooms okay I get it but you can still fucking trip on mushrooms and enjoy radio fucking head it looks like Snooki is right next to him. He does. Uh, this one said Mark Zito is a typical gay Avenger. Hmm. you relate to that, Mark?
12: I don't... I, uh,
3: no. Now, are you going to answer these people
12: back today, or... Probably not. No, probably not. I got to learn my lesson. Hmm. Maybe Mark Zito
3: is an artist and that we'll appreciate him more after he's dead. If he kicks to the 27, that would be great. This one just said, Mark Zito lo- licks the love pump pump. Is that true? No. All right, I'm getting two separate things. I mean, one thing from the listeners yeah. and a whole different thing from you.
12: Well, I, I'm I'm inclined to believe me because I'm the one forming the opinion, and it's about me, so I think I would know, and uh, not, not gay. Because
3: that's the worst thing that could ever happen to your family?
12: Yeah. It's the worst thing you can say about a man.
3: Right, this one said, Mark Zito is sheepy. With a masculine voice. Zito should be stuffed full of, Z- of Ziti and put in an oven. Mm. And this, f- this finally says, Mark Zito, fuck shit fart. Now, before you react to that, that's from Lady Trucker.
12: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of funny because it's like she, she wrote my name and then couldn't think of anything and just was like, I want to write a bunch of words that her.
3: Well, she was doing a callback from this show. But either way, it still works that way. Maybe we should start a, a something where it's like, Mark Zito, what do I have to do to get you to like me? And we start a whole program out there. Um, I'd step over Zito's cold dead body to shake Pepper's hand. That's Jason from Connecticut. Oh,
4: thanks, Jason. Oh,
3: why would I have to die for you to meet Pepper? Mark Zito. No rule. Don't like Fez because Fez don't rub assholes. Don't want to rub assholes with Fez. Doesn't even make sense. It's a little odd. Mm. Well, a lot of this, I think, is coming from you right now, Fezzy. That if you said, I like Zito, I think the listeners would be that way. What do you think, Chris?
4: I think Fez has to get behind this bastard.
3: You've got to get behind it, Fez, before the listeners are going to love him. And right now, you're not even looking at us. You're kind of pissed off
12: at him. He's he's kind of, yeah. I've known that he could could have helped me out here, and he chose not to do it. I know. see. I didn't even think it that way, but now that makes a little sense. I think Pepper could have, too. I think, you know, everyone could have, but they just let me have this, which is fine.
6: Well, I could help you this way. Quit searching for your name and what people are, you know, and searching for compliments. Is that
12: helping, or is that like a complaint? That sounds like you're kind of, that was like a backhanded right. Thing. It was a I think it was a helpful tool,
3: and then you point at your penis uh this is from someone um that just says simply uh, Mark Zito was a cockhead, <laughs> I don't like that I think it's creative maybe if mar uh, if Dan Deacon was in here
4: <laughs> uh, i uh you broke your piece.
3: Remix these tweets into something. Here's one Zito's not that bad. Ron can't fill all the dead air. Uh, this one says Has Zito posted his Amazon wish list yet? If not, he's okay in my book. Mark Zito, he ain't Nito. Uh, the, by the way, the apostrophe is just so annoying on the fucking Twitter. It's the worst. Don't even try to use one.
6: Mm -mm. You only get 140 characters. Why use one up?
3: Well, it's not so much that, but what it does to it. It goes off in this whole weird thing because the apostrophe doesn't show up. Maddening. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Zito needs a shotgun with a toe attachment. If by self-esteem you mean a garbage can full of shit for brains, then Mark Zito has self-esteem. Uh, Right now, brutal. uh, This guy says, right now, brutal uh, critique of Dan Deacon showgoers by Run a Show. Not at all, Joe McHale, you fucking troublemaker. We're trying to get into it. Hicks went to fucking school with him.
4: Yeah. Just surprised. We're just being introduced
3: to the the Deacon Blues right now. I don't live in Brooklyn, and I didn't go to SUNY Purchase. Mark Zito's like a goth vampire. Fake, but tries hard to be real. Boo-hoo, Mark. I'd rather read Lady Trucker tweets than a Mark Zito bio. These burgers ask the question, Mark Zito, funny or gay? Mark, what would you say?
12: I'd say uh, I'd I'd have to choose funny out of those two. Gay. Gay.
3: I'm going to go funny because I know he's not gay because he made up a story about nailing some okay. fucking chick at the, uh, what do you call it, show?
12: It's not a made up story at all.
3: What if I put you on a lie detector? Put
12: me on a lie detector. Hmm.
3: This one says Mike Z- Mark Zito likes little boys. Is that true? No, not sexually. We we will get, how? Just like person on him and stuff? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> Mark Zito is a really good guy who will even spit in your asshole before insertion.
6: Well, that would be... That's nice, right? Yeah, it is nice. It wouldn't hurt. Things are turning around for you.
3: Yeah. Mark Zito, more like Captain Fart Sniffer. That doesn't... That's disgusting. That doesn't And I didn't even know they had branches of the military for that. (laughs) Well, Fez, I think it would be better if you would take him under your wing... And can you be trusted on the unmasked stuff, or do you need Fez watching over you?
12: I think I can be trusted. I'm confident I can. <clears throat> are you more
3: comfortable with Fez watching over
12: you? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. The there are certain times when I need Fez's help, and other times he just stresses me out over it.
3: When does he stress you?
12: Well, just like if, if he's getting stressed <clears throat> about something and something I know I can handle, and we, and, and he's... <clears throat> you know, getting stressed about it and just talks about it a lot or something, I'll be like, I know, I'm trying and like saying it a thousand times doesn't help. I I know what's up.
3: What's one of the things he said
12: a thousand times? I would love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well just like when we're um like like little things, like little minutiae that, that he he thinks matters that I, I, I'm trying to worry about other stuff at the time and we just need to divide it better or something. What's one of the little minutias
3: that like, he worries about?
12: Where to seat people? Mm-hmm particular stuff like that
3: you'd rather not even hear about that
12: yeah okay all right i care about the overall production i care about the overall production not like the the little things sometimes i understand the little things are important but i i'm worried about getting the show the show going
3: how about you Hex? you don't care about either one overall or details? i care
4: about everything baby
3: Mm. all right well why don't we pick this up tomorrow because i like to see you two guys get along better I know Hicks you'd like to see it as well right
4: I can't stand all this fighting why are you laughing Zito because I really can
3: <laughs> he really does and he's sensitive now uh, his parents used to fight so it's all bringing that back constantly and like a lot of times if he hears people fighting he'll yell out baby bad and starts slapping himself in his face. And I have to say to him, baby not bad, baby just drunk again.
4: Baby, sad.
3: All right, so we'll pick this up tomorrow. Do you think one of them should have to leave unmasked, Hicks?
6: Lose on leaves
4: unmasked.
3: Bez, would you be willing to do that?
6: I would be willing to do that but I, because I don't think I'm going to lose. I don't think I'm wrong about unmasked either.
12: Or Mark Zito, either one. I don't think I'll lose, but I also don't know what what the contest is. I think
3: it should be Password.
12: There's only one way
3: to settle this. I got this. Password. The Password is... All right, that's it for us. I'm going to thank my two uh, best friends who I'm actually going to have to dinner with tonight. And that's uh, Clint Howard and Johnny Weir.
4: Oh, wow. Where are you going?
3: I think Spencer's house. He booked them. Uh, he makes a hell of a lasagna oh. And I said to him I go Spencer I like my lasagna Second day So he cooked it yesterday He's got it freezing. Now he reheats and I think the texture's Going to be better Damn Spencer Alright uh, I don't think there's anything On the big TV tube tonight Is there?
4: No Oh uh Jersey Shore
3: That's something big Hopefully uh, Sammy fights with the new girl
4: Hopefully, she doesn't get jacked by j And uh, that's the end of
6: my show. Stop.